You're listening to the Acadiana's Morning News Podcast, brought to you by LABI and always on kpal965.com. Just because it's hard to talk about doesn't mean the problem doesn't exist. I'm Rob Kirkpatrick for Maddie's Footprints, and as a board member here in Acadiana, I see families dealing with infant loss get the support they need every single day. Find more information at maddiesfootprints.org with services ranging from help planning funerals to critical grief support in the days and weeks after. More than 1,400 Acadiana families have been helped. If you know someone in need, refer them to maddiesfootprints.org. That's maddiesfootprints.org. Get the free K. News app in the App Store and Google Play. News Talk 96.5 KPEL Brobridge, Lafayette. It's over before it starts in the Senate. I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News. The Republican majority has given the Senate a bad bill. Democratic leader Chuck Schumer says it won't advance today, disappointing Republican Senator Tim Scott. This is not about them or us, but it's about those youngsters who today are afraid to jog down the street or get in their car and drive. Fox's Rachel Sutherland has more live. Dave, Democrats plan to block the Republican police reform bill, claiming it doesn't go far enough. They want to ban chokeholds, make it easier to sue police officers in civil court, and end no-knock warrants in drug cases. The Republican bill uses incentives to get local police departments to stop using chokeholds unless an officer's life is in imminent danger. It also does not include language addressing qualified immunity for officers. Democrats in the House are advancing their own measure, which would end the use of chokeholds and set up a national database tracking problem police officers. Dave? Rachel, protesters burned an American flag last night in Washington. President Trump tweeted they are lowlifes who should be stopped. They want to abolish borders and abolish every police department in the country. The Democrats are also trying to rig the election. Again, warning at that rally in Phoenix about mail-in voting. Former President Obama called him mean-spirited in an online fundraiser for his old VP. There's nobody that I trust more to be able to heal this country and get it back on track uh, than my dear friend Joe Biden. Biden won Kentucky's primary. In New York, Congressman Elliot Engels in danger of losing his Democratic primary, trailing Jamal Bowman by more than 20 points. Rayshard Brooks was laid to rest in Atlanta. Ray was an individual who made a lasting positive impact on us, and our lives will forever be changed for the better, having known him. Friend Ambria McKinlaychik at the funeral. Brooks was shot and killed resisting arrest by an officer now charged with murder. A woman Brooks had told police was his girlfriend, now charged with arson for burning down a Wendy's. America's listening to Fox News. We're all in uncharted territory, looking for ways to support our communities. At Dell Technologies, we're making sure small businesses have the right tech solutions. Dell Technologies advisors are here for you. From helping small businesses stay connected and productive while working remotely with Windows 10 and Microsoft Teams, to rapidly deploying remote work solutions that limit upfront costs with Dell Financial Services. We're standing by you every step of the way. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. David Horowitz's new book about President Trump is out. It's called Blitz. In Blitz, Horowitz warns that Antifa wants to stop Trump and crush our freedoms. Blitz predicted that race would be a big issue, but Trump has a secret plan for the election. Mike Huckabee says if everyone reads Blitz, Trump will win. A number one Amazon bestseller. Get Blitz at bookstores or get the free offer from Newsmax and save $28. Just call 800-NEWSMAX. That's 800-NEWSMAX. Or go to blitz411.com. Blitz411.com. 
There was worry again about the coronavirus at the Trump rally in Arizona. Not a lot of masks. People packed together. Now, today he'll do something that he hasn't done in months, host a world leader at the White House. Potentially increasing the American military presence in Poland will be among the topics when President Trump and Polish President Duda meet in the Oval Office. Senior administration officials said the visit, the first by a foreign head of state since the start of the coronavirus pandemic, will include an emphasis on the importance of Poland as a reliable security partner for the U.S. and NATO. Earlier this month, President Trump confirmed rumored plans to draw down American military personnel levels in Germany in the coming months. Those troops may be reassigned to Poland given its proximity and recent increases in defense spending. In Washington, John Decker, Fox News. The FBI now says the news found in black NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace's garage at Talladega was not a hate crime, a relief to NASCAR COO Steve Phelps. The news that was in that garage, had been in the garage previously, the last race we had had there in October. But Wallace says it was um, definitely not just a looped, definitely not just a looped rope, it was a noose. There's finally a plan to play ball. The Major League Baseball Players Association confirming Tuesday night that they have resolved all remaining issues with the league and players will be reporting to training camps. The Players Union agreeing to a 60-game season is announced Monday by MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred with athletes reporting to camps by July 1st in anticipation of opening day on July 23rd or 24th. In what will be MLB's shortest season since 1878, each team will play 10 games against each of its four division rivals and four games against each of the five clubs in the corresponding division in the other league. That's Fox's Matt Napolitano on Wall Street. Stocks could fall. Dow futures are down more than 200 points. I'm Dave Anthony, and this is Fox News. Your 24-7 news source on air, online, and with the Cape Hill News app. Now the headlines from the Cape Hill News Center. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Rob Kirkpatrick. Your high today, 82 degrees. 90% chance of showers and storms tomorrow, 85 with 70% chance of showers and storms. The wet week continues. The full forecast from Daniel Phillips is just ahead. Local musician Jamie Bajron was fired from his day job at Acadian Ambulance yesterday after insensitive social media posts were widely shared over the weekend. The Instagram posts, which included a picture of a man wearing a white hood and a cartoon with the caption, quote, all lives splatter, apparently caught the attention of fellow Acadian employees who reported them to management. For his part, Bajron tells KATC, quote, I'm sorry that some took offense to this. This definitely was not my intention or a reflection of Acadian Ambulance or myself. The state continues its troubling trend of new COVID-19 cases, posting the highest single-day increase yesterday in new cases since April 7th. That number, 1,356 new positive cases. The increased numbers suggest community spread, and that is visible in the number of hospitalizations of COVID-19 patients. Ventilator use is also up by 14. Senator Bill Cassidy says Congress is working on another round of federal economic relief, but feels the $600 a week in federal unemployment benefits must be changed. Cassidy says the unemployed must not be allowed to collect more in unemployment benefits than they made at their last job. The $600 a week unemployment stipend pays many people more to not work than to work. Now, that's not good for society. Cassidy says one of his constituents says the unemployment benefits are making it difficult to staff their business as the economy begins to reopen. With unemployment, the people who formerly worked for him are making more than they were working for him. Now, that just doesn't work. 
Cassidy says instead of pushing for additional federal benefits, he'd like to see unemployed workers move into job openings that are becoming available. There are jobs out there. I'm speaking to employers. They're telling me that they would hire if they could. So hopefully some of those folks who are currently unemployed will find a place where they can be employed. Young people aged 18 to 29 represent the fastest growing sector of COVID-19 cases in the state. Brooke Thorrington explains. Young people now lead the state in case numbers with just under 9,000. Assistant Health Secretary Dr. Alex B.U. believes misconceptions could be a factor. A sense of risk uh, associated with having COVID, feeling like there are not that many deaths in my in my age group, so I can move out and about. So far, 10 deaths have been recorded in this age group. Dr. B.U. encourages young people to think about the consequences of their actions. It's about taking care of your health, taking care of your risks for spreading so that you don't fuel the spread in Louisiana. I'm Brooke Thorrington. Now, you may have heard of some restaurants who put up signs saying their employees would not be wearing masks when serving customers. Well, the governor's office is speaking out, reiterating that the order of masks is not optional for employees who work in restaurants or businesses that have interaction with the public. Shauna Samford, the governor's spokesperson, says there should be no confusion about the guidelines set forth from the governor's office that employees who have interaction with the public must wear face coverings. Fire marshals officials will be out making sure folks are complying. Oil prices are falling on word of a big U.S. inventory build. International benchmark Brent crude is down 49 cents a barrel to 42.14. And West Texas intermediate crude is down 59 cents to 39.78 a barrel. Driving down prices is the American Petroleum Institute's estimate of 1.75 million barrel increase in the U.S. stockpile. Oil industry analysts have predicted a buildup of less than 300,000 barrels. NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace says he is relieved he wasn't the target of a hate crime. A member of his team found a noose in his garage stall at the Alabama track, Talladega Super Speedway. It turns out it had been there since last fall. The FBI says its investigation reveals no crime was committed. Wallace is NASCAR's only black driver and helped push for the recent ban of the Confederate flag. And finally, it looks like Europe will ban American tourists due to coronavirus cases surging in almost 30 states. The U.S. leads the world with more than 2 million cases. Brazil is second, followed by Russia. The New York Times also reports those countries will be blocked as well from travel to the EU. A decision has yet to be finalized, but will happen before the European Union reopens its borders on July 1st. Mostly cloudy skies across Acadiana today with showers and thunderstorms fairly prevalent in the forecast. On again, off again, rainfall basically through the rest of the day today. We'll get a quick break overnight tonight and then showers going to be returning to the area again for tomorrow. As far as thunderstorms go, a few isolated severe thunderstorms could be possible. High winds going to be the biggest issue that we have with those storms. Again, they should stay fairly isolated and short-lived. Highs today get up to around 82 degrees. Lows tonight down in the mid-70s. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC Meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96.5 KPL. This portion of Acadiana's Morning News is brought to you by Discover. Get your free credit scorecard with your FICO credit score, even if you're not a customer. Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard limitations apply. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Right now, traffic. And right now, an all clear on the roads of Acadiana. The interstates are flowing just as they should, but there is rain in the area and more rain in the forecast, as you just heard throughout the day today. The roads are already wet. Be careful out there. And if there's anything we need to know, you can give us a call at 232-154. 
Good morning. It is 613. The sun coming up, but it is really cloudy. Lots of rain around over in the Houston area. That rain coming this way and then over towards Baton Rouge rain over there as well. So it's all around. And as Daniel Phillips said, 90% chance of showers and storms today. Yesterday, did you see it? Some of the pictures and video from the Abbeville area, um, even down in Iberia Parish, uh, a ton of street level flooding, over four inches flooding in some places yesterday afternoon. Um, you know, it, it brings up that whole drainage issue again. I know that's outside of Lafayette Parish, um, and I'm sure the parish leaders are thrilled about that, that it's not happening here. But um, we know how things are recently when when there is even a moderate flooding event. We have some street flooding and, and some water getting into houses. So um, make sure to, to keep yourself safe. Again, a lot of rain in the forecast today. Over at kpel965.com, a story about Beauchene High School making the decision to stop football workouts because of another COVID-19 positive case. Now, we have seen it happen in other places. Um, it seems like every day there's a handful more businesses that close down, at least temporarily. Uh, one of those yesterday that came out was uh, Reds, uh, the athletic club here in Lafayette. But they talked about what they do, what sort of measures they have. At night, they fumigate the building, and uh, people are given temperature checks when they come to work. Most importantly, those folks with positive tests are not working there here at this point. You can find more about that at kpel965.com. It's going to be a busy day here on Acadiana's Morning News. We'll talk to Mitzi Bro coming up around 620 about Vitalant and the urgent need for blood. As, as we always find ourselves in this situation during the summer, people are traveling, people are doing other things. Well, this summer, you have even more going on with people afraid to go into a lot of these places because of the COVID-19 risks. So, of course, we'll talk about the precautions they're taking and also uh, the fact that you can actually get an antibodies test when you go to give blood. So another incentive if that's something that you're looking to do. Uh, we're going to talk to Stephen Wagesback from LABI coming up at 638. A lot of legislative issues uh, that, have, that have come up out of the legislature and um, talking about tort reform. What about this latest effort? Some folks have called it watered down. We'll ask Stephen Wagesback if he thinks it's watered down. Uh, that jury threshold seems to be key, though. Um, Louisiana still has that $50,000 jury trial threshold, which means, you know, if if the damages you're claiming are under that, uh, a judge can sign off on a settlement. A judge can sign off on that. Other states uh, require a jury, some $5,000, some $10,000. Many states, $0. You always get a jury trial if that's something that you're doing. Um, a lot of different requirements, too, we're going to ask him about. The seatbelt, you know, gag order, whether or not you can mention if someone was wearing a seatbelt in the crash. Also, the name of the insurance company that's involved. We, we have heard that has been an issue. So we'll talk all about that and also how businesses are responding. Uh, we get a Wednesday uh, in the 7 o'clock hour. Kevon Bordelon joins us. And we had another... Um, Big issue in the last couple days here in Acadiana. Local musician Jamie Bajeron was let go from his job at Acadian Ambulance after a series of social media posts. Um, you know, reading through the comments this morning and, and hearing a lot of the calls even yesterday on offsides, there are a lot of folks that feel like this is an infringement on free speech. I'm interested in what Kavon Bordelon thinks because, you know, as our own Shannon Wilkerson said, he understands what the First Amendment does, and it does protect you from you know, the government interfering, punishment from the government for what you say. But we know the world we live in, free speech is not necessarily consequence free speech. 
meaning you can be fired from your job and other things could happen to you for what you choose to be out there. So that'll be a big topic of our conversation. And of course, we'll take your calls at 232-1542 on the issue. Louis Perret, uh, the local elections chief, will join us in uh, the 8 o'clock hour. We'll talk about early voting, um, talk about the election, who's on the ballot, and why it is so important. Also, I'm going to ask him about mail-in ballots. We have seen that turnout for early voting in person has been way down. But what are the stats on mail-in ballots? Because that's something we've been talking about as well. So plenty to come. It's another big show. We've made it halfway through the week. Uh, rain's still out there, so... Congratulations. If you were thinking you had to cut the grass today, it's going to be too wet. So there's your first piece of good news for your Wednesday morning. It's 618 now at Newstalk 96.5 KPL. We're back with more after this. This is the place where all opinions are welcome. Every color gets through and people on all sides of the issue can hash it out. And if you don't think you have a voice, you're wrong. It can be heard now by calling 232-1542. That's 232 232- one five four two. It is six twenty now at Newstalk ninety six five KPL, June twenty fourth, twenty twenty. And as I was saying, during the summer, donations at Vitalent go down because people are traveling, they're doing other things, they're out of their routine. Well, now we're about four months into a brand new routine, and that need is still there. Mitzi Bro joins us on the phone this morning. Good morning to you, ma'am. Hey, good morning. So the need is still there, um, and there are, are a ton of incentives. I, I'm looking right now on the Vitalant website, and the you know incentive to get an, a COVID-19 antibody test when you donate, I think it's something a lot of people want to do anyway, and they can do it at the same time that they're literally giving the gift of life. That's right. It, you know, we're so happy to be able to offer this to our donors because everyone is so curious to see if whether or not they had an asymptomatic COVID-19 infection at some point. So this is, it's not a diagnostic test. So if you're sick, we're asking, please do not come. We cannot tell you if you currently have the coronavirus. But all successful donations are now tested for the COVID-19 antibody. So if you're well and healthy and, you know, you're not around anyone that's sick and you're feeling great, but you think at one point maybe you might have had the coronavirus and just didn't really feel all that well. When you come and you donate blood, the antibody test is now added to the panel of tests that we run on every single donation. And we will test your, your blood for that antibody. And in about um, two weeks, your results will be available to you in an online donor portal, which is confidential and only you can see and it will let you know whether you are positive or negative for the COVID-19 antibody. So, you know, Mitzi, you live in the same world we do. Um, I feel like every day we're hearing about more and more people who do get that that positive COVID-19 diagnosis. It just seems almost like, I don't know, it's getting closer and closer and it's harder and harder to find someone who hasn't at least been in contact. So on the safety side of it, Yes, we are talking about asymptomatic cases. What would you tell someone who is maybe a little bit nervous about even going to the donation center here on Bertrand Drive? So our first line of defense and the biggest thing is that we're asking anyone who is not feeling well and who is around anyone that's not feeling well, 
please do not come. Again, we cannot tell you if you have the active coronavirus, so please do not come. On top of that, we are tempting every single person that enters our building. Um, actually, before you enter the building, we're tempting every single person. Um, we're also requiring face masks for our face coverings for our donors and our staff. So when you come to donate, make sure that you bring a face covering with you. It can be homemade. It just needs to cover your nose and your mouth. Um, we are also, we have upped all of our sanitation processes, which were already in place. They've just kind of been heightened. Yeah. And we're also practicing social distancing. So uh, we have a long-term relationship. And we, I mean, Town Square Media and Vitalent, we come together multiple times a year. Obviously, we talk to you often because... It is so important, and one of the biggest messages that we share is, you know, if you've never donated before, maybe now's the time. Maybe you have some extra time. Um, the donor base is older, and it's aging, and so it's important to get those younger people in, get them excited, and, and a part of this process. It is. So our most do dedicated donor group is over the age of 50, so actually... 60% of the U.S. blood supply is coming from folks who are over the age of 50. So we are in need of those younger folks to come in and start filling the shoes of those baby boomers who have been dedicated, lifelong blood donors. And it's time for the rest to, to step up and start doing the same. Donating blood is not a one and done. It's not something you do one time and think that your, your deed is over. It's a lifelong commitment, and we ask that people give at least two or three times a year, and that's the only way way that at Vitalant that we can ensure that every single family member, loved one, and friend has the blood that they need as soon as it's needed. All right, Mitzi Bro, uh, joining us from Vitalant this morning. If someone's listening right now and they say, you know what, today is the day, what are the steps they should take to give blood and what can they do to fast track the process? So we are strongly recommending appointments so that we can best uphold social distancing. So go to vitalant.org, that's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T dot O-R-G. There's tons of information there for you to read up on, um, on the coronavirus, our safety precautions, convalescent plasma donations, if you're interested in that as well. And then click on the donate button. Once you click there, you'll be able to make an appointment. And after you make an appointment, we're going to send you a confirmation email that's going to send you a link to our fast track process, which will allow you to do the questions and, and the health history questionnaire in the privacy of your home or office prior to coming to us. And that's going to save you some time. That makes sense. Vitalent.org. It's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T.org. Bitsy Bro, thanks as always. And and good luck with the efforts. It's something great people can do in our area. Thank you so much. All right. Right now it is 626 at News Talk 96.5 KPL. Coming up on the show, we're going to talk to Stephen Waggis back from LABI. And then Winging a Wednesday at 7 o'clock with Kavan Bordelon. All that and more just ahead right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Phone lines are open. Call the show at 232-1542. 232-1542. Then listen live anytime with the free KPL News app. Free in the App Store or Google Play. 
You're listening to American Ground Radio's Morning Minute. After a mob tried to tear down a statue of Andrew Jackson in Washington, D.C., President Trump tweeted that anyone convicted of destroying federal monuments would face up to 10 years in prison. Of course destroying federal monuments is a crime. It's property that belongs to we, the people. You know, over the weekend, President Trump said we ought to come up with legislation that if you burn the American flag, you go to jail for one year. Well, the United States Supreme Court has already ruled that the act of flag burning is constitutionally protected free speech under the First Amendment. That means that only a new constitutional amendment and not an act of Congress would make burning a flag a criminal act. Free speech is not violence, but violence is not free speech. American Ground Radio, where building a better America begins with building a better us. Return each Sunday from 1 to 2 p.m. with Louis R. Abalone and Stephen Park on News Talk 96.5 KPL and streaming live at KPL96.5.com. It's the bottom of the hour. Now the top stories from KPL96.5.com. Good morning, I'm Rob Kirkpatrick. A look at some news making headlines around the country this morning. President Trump said yesterday he wasn't kidding about slowing down testing for coronavirus. He confirmed that yesterday, three days after making the comment at a Tulsa, Oklahoma rally. The White House says he used sarcasm then, but is making a serious point now that increased testing leads to more cases being revealed. Let's not forget with everything else going on, primaries are happening, and a political newcomer in North Carolina beats the Trump-backed candidate in yesterday's primary runoff. Fox's Carmen Robert has more. 24-year-old Madison Cawthorn scores a rare political victory by beating the candidate endorsed by President Trump. Cawthorn won the Republican primary runoff election in North Carolina for the seat vacated by President Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows. Prior to the president's June 4th endorsement of Linda Bennett, Cawthorn made this plea during an appearance on Fox News. Mr. President, if you're watching, sir, I'd like to tell you, please do not get involved in the 11th District. I will be your strongest supporter. I'm something that the Republican Party desperately needs. I am a disabled conservative millennial. And while Cawthorn failed to gain the president's support, many local officials supported him, and so did the voters. Carmen Roberts, Fox News. In August, Cawthorn turns 25, the constitutionally mandated minimum age to serve in the House. Then in November, he'll face Democrat Mo Davis, a former military prosecutor, in the general election. Another statue that had become a flashpoint for protesters is coming down. It happened overnight. Fox's Jack Callahan has more. The likeness of former Vice President John C. Calhoun has stared down from a 100-foot-tall pedestal in Charleston, South Carolina, for more than a century, but very soon, no longer. Early this morning, crews with large cranes began removing the statue. Just hours after Charleston City Council voted unanimously to take it down, the statue had been vandalized during protests last week. Charleston's mayor saying the statue will eventually be relocated to an appropriate place where it can be preserved. Calhoun was not a Confederate, dying a decade before the outbreak of the Civil War, but he was a longtime proponent of slavery. Jack Callahan. Fox News. President Trump's former national security advisor, John Bolton, continued his media blitz, touting a new tell-all book. Here's more from Fox's Grinnell Scott. 
Bolton told Fox's Brett Baer of his opinion on the president's COVID-19 response. Herky-jerky, incoherent, sporadic, and not as effective as it could have been. And his speculation about Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who called Bolton a traitor. I think his political future is very much tied to the Trump administration. Bolton claims his book, The Room Where It Happened, pulls back the curtain on his time in the White House. The president has taken to calling Bolton a wacko who violated confidentiality. In addition to interviews on major network news programs, Bolton appeared last night on CBS's Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Grinnell Scott, Fox News. Disgraced comedian Bill Cosby now allowed to appeal his sexual assault conviction from two years ago. Pennsylvania's highest court has agreed to review the decision that let five accusers testify about alleged assaults that weren't part of the charges at hand. The other issue is Cosby claiming a former prosecutor had promised not to charge him. The 82-year-old is serving a 3-10 to 10 year prison sentence. The phone number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is changing and shortening. Instead of 10 digits, it'll be shortened to just 3, 988 in two years. The FCC says three digits is a lot easier to remember and hopes the new number will be a lifeline to those who are struggling. The hotline answered 2 million calls in 2018. Congress will vote to finalize that change next month. Back here in the state of Louisiana, the Saints have announced that two members of their Super Bowl team will be inducted into the team's Hall of Fame later this year. Jari Evans and Roman Harper were both drafted in 2006 and played big roles in helping the Black and Gold win the Super Bowl just a few years later. The two combined to play in eight Pro Bowls. Also, longtime Saints Spanish radio broadcaster Marco Garcia will receive the Joe Jamelli Florida Lee Award for his contributions to the organization. Congrats all around for that. Showers and thunderstorms going to be with us throughout the rest of the day. Today, we're going to see pretty wet round of weather and could get a couple strong thunderstorms in the mix as well. High winds going to be the biggest issue we have with a few isolated storms this afternoon. Highs get up to around 82 degrees. Lows tonight in the mid-70s. Another wet day coming up tomorrow. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC Meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96.5 KPL. This portion of Acadiana's Morning News is brought to you by Compassion International. Join Compassion and give hope to a family in extreme poverty during COVID-19. Give a $40 one-time gift by texting the word HOPE to 833-93. That's HOPE to 833-93 now. News Talk 96.5. KPL. Right now, traffic. All roads in Acadiana are moving along as they should. We are getting some reports of a traffic signal malfunction on Johnston Street out towards the Maurice area. It looks like it's around Johnston and Broussard. Uh, let me know if that is cleared up. The number 232-1542. Our traffic update is brought to you by Service Chevrolet Cadillac. Hey, I'll be over there a little bit later on this morning showing off Rob's ride of the week. It's a 2019 Cadillac Escalade, black exterior, black interior. You can find more about it at servicegm.com. Also, look at all of Rob's rides of the week at kpel965.com. Stephen Wagusback from LABI is coming up next on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. What's up? It's Rob Kirkpatrick from Acadiana's Morning News, and you hear me gush all the time about my perfect eyesight, okay? I had PRK laser vision correction with Lahi Total Eye Care, and it's just been amazing. I can't say enough about it. But I want to tell you about something else that Dr. Lahi specializes in, and that is cataract surgery. With all the devices we use, that blue light, and really everything in our environment, 
the rate of patients who need cataract surgery is on the upswing. And Dr. Chip LaHaye has perfected this process. I got to see it firsthand. I spent a day as he was doing surgery. The procedure is done as quickly and as pain-free as possible. Patients go in first thing in the morning and they're out before lunch. It's a process you have to see to believe. Find out more at LaHayeSight.com. That's L-A-H-A-Y-E-S-I-G-H-T dot com. Or by calling them at 1-800-892-EYES. That's one 800 892-3937. I'm a patient and I know you will have a great experience too. See photos before and after of actual patients online at lahesite.com. Two locations to serve you in Opelousas and Lafayette, Lahey Total Eye Care. Here for you in times of uncertainty. Tracking coronavirus, I'm Rob Kirkpatrick on this Town Square Media Station. Team you can rely on even on the darkest days. I'm Bernadette Lee with your news and information update. We're working for you on air, behind the scenes every single day. We're following a potential hazmat situation on I-10 this morning. As you get out and hit the road, Bernie's got the information you need to know. Your radio home for news and information for more than 60 years. You know, it's everything I need in the morning. News Talk 96.5. Cape Hill. Rain in the forecast today. 90% chance of storms this morning. 82 is our high. You can find your full forecast at kpal965.com. Joining us on the phone right now, Stephen Wagasback from LABI and the state trying to get back to work, but I don't know, Stephen. Looks like we were moving ahead. Now there are a bunch of people who feel that we're going to move in reverse, maybe even go back to phase one and dun da da another stay-at-home order. That's what people are talking about this morning. What's your insight on it? What are you hearing? Well, you know, the good news is we haven't heard any credible um, accusations of going back into phase one. I guess if you can call that good news. Yeah. The frustrating news is, you know, another month of phase two, Look, it's, it's a huge challenge for small businesses who are just trying to keep their head above water. And, you know, there's been such a struggle to get here. The federal loans through the PPP process has allowed these some of these small businesses to stay afloat. But that's going to run out. That doesn't last forever. If we're still in phase two and that money runs out, you know, we are hearing a lot of uh, concerns that folks are going to have to have a, a second layoff phase. That's just going to add to our unemployment woes. So, you know, with a service-based economy like we have, we depend on Main Street small businesses, independent oil and gas companies, those folks to stay alive and get online. And we cannot keep holding those folks back. And if, we, if we're talking about flattening the curve, everyone's in. But, you know, there's been no accusations of hospital overruns. There's been no accusations of ventilator shortages. We have a system that's prepared. It's time for us to let employers to go out, get back to work safely, give them guidance to do it safely, but let them get back to work. Because if we go into this fall with a wave of bankruptcies and layoffs because of continued holding back of the economy, trust me, that's not good for, for the community health that we're trying to build here. And it's definitely not good for Louisiana's future. Look, I sort of feel like the state of Louisiana, I mean, we have so many distinct regions where you have, you know, New Orleans and the New Orleans metro area and the economy that it supports is almost like a state unto its own. Then you take the rest of the state and there's literally like a a, a north, a south, somewhere in the middle. And then there's Lake Charles with oil and gas. I mean, you have so many different areas. And I know the big frustration had been, you know, that we didn't sort of open up on a parish by parish or even hey, LDH region by region because of the situation we're in. Do you think that is still playing the role? Because New Orleans is still 
the least open of the rest of the state. Yeah, you know, I think that early on in this response, there are so many unknowns as far as capacity of the healthcare system, so many unknowns of how, you know, how serious it was if you caught COVID-19. And so kind of the, the broader shutdown, you could argue it made sense. But now we're months beyond that. And we know that we can have a more targeted regional approach right now because different areas have different strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Urban areas and rural areas have different strengths and weaknesses. And so we need to be more specific, or government leaders need to be more specific on encouraging. If, if we're worried that young people catching it are going to get grandma and grandpa sick, we need to be more specific on limiting that interaction. Keeping a restaurant shut down is not the most effective way to do that. We're using a shotgun approach for a rifle shot problem. We know more about the, the virus now. We also know about the, the, the poor health of our economy now. And look, we have over 600,000 initial unemployment claims that have been filed in Louisiana. Almost 300,000 of those are still claimed. Our GDP is down 20%. We have got to get going if we want to keep the backbone of our economy afloat, and that is small business, service-based industries, construction, oil and gas, all the folks that right now they're teetering on the edge. And as soon as their PPP loans run out, mm-hmm. it could have a, a dire drop if we're not careful. I want to ask about some of the federal support. Yesterday, Senator Bill Cassidy told us he thinks the $600 a week, you know, federal, I guess, injection of federal relief that going into the unemployment fund needs to be changed because you do have employers who are now saying they're having a hard time getting their employees back. Um, what is your take on this or, or what are you hearing? Because it is it has at least kept people from, I mean, for lack of a better term, kind of rioting in the streets, because if we didn't have this, I think we would be having very different conversations over the last few months. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. I think everyone agrees you want to help those individuals. No one's saying that. But what the feds did is instead of giving dollars to their bosses or their employers or their restaurants or whatever, and said, listen, use these dollars to pay your employees to keep them afloat, you would have you would have maintained that employee-employee relationship. You would have kept things moving. Instead, what the feds did is they said, here, here's the same dollars we could have given you that way, and we're giving it to you so you can stay home. And so what that means is if you're a restaurant trying to get to float and the government says, hey, you can come back at 50 percent, but, you know, you have to get you have to come back online at 50 percent of these limitations. Those restaurants are calling their employees and their employees are saying, I'm not coming back. It's a better deal to stay home. And it's hard to blame them. I mean, if you were getting paid more to stay home and come to work, what would you do? And so the federal program had good intentions. What it's doing is it's making it very difficult for the small businesses we want to survive, the restaurants and the retailers to get their employees back right now. And so, you know, where I'm in Baton Rouge, we're seeing a number of restaurants say, you know what, we're shutting down for two months. There's nothing magic in the market about those two months. The two months is because that's when that $600 levels out, they can get their employees back. Um, you mentioned earlier uh, talking about oil and gas companies, especially you know, small mom and pop oil and gas companies that we know in the Acadiana area has been the backbone of a lot of it. When you talk about the smaller ones, uh, this morning we have news uh, that oil prices uh, falling because of a big inventory build. Uh, that number, let me just grab it real quick. Uh, the Brent crude number down 49 cents to 42.14 a barrel. Uh, what are you hearing as far as that? Because, you know, it's 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 wild, Stephen. If we wouldn't have been talking about COVID-19, you know, this this would be enormous. I mean, and it was enormous the day, I think it was April 20th, that they traded in negatives. Um, but that has a big implications as far as revenue goes for the state. Yeah, the oil and gas 
crash is the is the hidden crisis behind the health crisis behind the economic crisis, right? And you know we'll, what what I hear from independent oil and gas producers is they need oil and gas to get to about fifty five bucks, mid fifties, kind of order to make to make it all meet. And you you just mentioned where we're at right now. We're well short of that, and so all this production has been going into storage because there's not well supply going on. And so yeah, even when all of a sudden, let's say tomorrow the market gets great again. It's still going to take quite a while to burn through all that inventory sitting in, in storage terminals around around the world. And so it is going to be a long haul back for these folks. The remainder of the year is going to be a challenge. And many of the Louisiana independent oil and gas companies, you know, they had some projects already in the pipeline they were finishing. Or they had some PPP money, which allowed them to float. But when that runs out next month or two, if prices are still where you're at, you're going to see um, a, a second wave of layoffs there. We're trying our best to prevent that. We think the best way to prevent that is get this economy going, get demand going. People start buying oil and gas. It's the best way to start producing oil and gas. It's You, you can't program and federal money your way out of this. You've got to get the economy going, get demand up as, as fast as you can. We're joined by Stephen Wagespeck, LABI president and CEO. Let's talk about some legislative issues. The biggie is tort reform. Um, there was some movement uh, even this week on, on maybe something else that can be done. However, there are some critics of it calling it watered down from where Republicans in the legislature started, especially when it comes to the jury uh, threshold. Uh, tell me a, a little bit about how that works. Yeah, it's kind of been like the hokey pokey. You take two steps forward and one step back, and it's hard to know where you're standing sometimes. But here's where we're at. There's a bill that the Speaker put in place, and it is on the House floor, maybe even as early today. And if that is concurred with and it goes up to the governor's desk, that will address several of the issues that lead to high auto insurance rates. It will drop, it will drop the jury threshold, allow for more juries. It will remove the seatbelt gag order. That's all, that's all a good thing. Um, so it has some of those pieces in there. What it is silent on, quite frankly, is the collateral source piece, which is really the big piece, especially for commercial insurance prices. And just to be candid, what we have right now is we have the trial lawyers hiding behind a couple of, of fringe healthcare companies that are throwing mud, diversions, they're, they're playing hide the ball. It's kind of like Lucy and, and, and Charlie Brown kicking the football over there. And it's working to extend to make collateral source hard to fix. We're trying to get around it. We're trying to convince leadership to plow through that noise. And we're hopeful in the next couple of days we're going to be successful in that. If collateral source is not addressed in this bill, you're still going to have some relief on the individual insurance market because the juries will help push down some of those frivolous settlements. Mm -hmm. But if we don't address collateral source, we're not going to have an answer for the commercial auto insurance crisis, and that would be an absolute travesty if the legislature adjourned without a real solution on collateral source. And I, I think that's one of those things a lot of people don't know about. We actually learned about it when we were over at the lobby event um, that was going on at the beginning of the legislative session over in Baton Rouge when you know that correlation was made. A lot of times in this conversation, we're talking about you know, private, privately insured people, you and, and me in our personal vehicle. But then when you start to talk to someone like a Heather Cloud, with a trucking business, I, I think the number she gave was $2,000 a week. I mean, that just makes insurance coverage out of reach. But um, it seems like we're coming down to to the wire on this, which it was a priority at the beginning. And it seems like we've come to the kind of 11th hour decisions, both in the regular session and now in the special session. And it's been an extremely frustrating process, to be candid with you. We came out of the House with a solution that could have fixed all this for everyone. Got 78 votes, 
10 votes by Democrats, two by independents, bipartisan support for this bill. It goes to the Senate. It got reworked in one committee. It got reworked in conference again. We kept getting like language jammed on us last minute that we had to try to find our way to kind of improve. It, is, it has been a frustrating process. And it, it, the reason why it's been frustrating because it's hard to even know who you're negotiating with. Mm-hmm. Because the person you're talking to is really carrying water for a secret trial lawyer in a secret room somewhere that you can't see. And that's got to stop. Everyone's got to come to the table. If the trial lawyers want to come and gut this bill, they need to get to a microphone and say it in front of a camera because they have no public leg to stand on, but they still have the private games that work in the private dark rooms of the Capitol, and that's what's most frustrating. Okay, so we just have about a minute left, but at the end of the road, if all this is done and things go exactly the way you hope for, what is the end result for for me, you know, on my actual bill, how much savings are sure. we talking about ideally? Well, if we get to a successful end result, we will address collateral source. And what that'll do, it'll make it harder for those entities to collect money on phantom damages. That's what we're talking about. So if you can truly clamp down on phantom damages being paid by people like you and me, we think your auto insurance rates will go down somewhere between 10 and 25%. The actuaries and the commissioner of insurance said that's what he thinks. The trial lawyers say unless you can do a Pythagorean theorem to prove it in a formula, they're not going to believe it, but they're never going to believe it. But that's what the actuaries are saying. So we think that can happen, but it takes the next couple of days for the legislature to stand up to the hiding trial lawyers in the back room and say, come out into the sunshine, put your ideas on the table, because once they do, those ideas will not hold water. We can finally fix collateral source. Stephen Waggis back from LABI. We appreciate your time today, and we'll be watching to see what happens, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. All right, it's 6.51 now at News Talk 96.5. KPAL coming up, winging it Wednesday. Kavon Bordelon joins us. We'll talk about tort reform, other legislative issues, and also, you know, First Amendment, free speech. Uh, we will get into the Jamie Bajron situation and take your calls, your thoughts on how it has all played out. I know there are a lot of opinions out there, and we want them. That's coming up right here on News Talk 96.5. KPAL. Winging It Wednesday, also brought to you by LABI. More to come. It's all over Facebook. An urgent warning that Google automatically signed you up for a contact tracing app. It's your Wednesday Consumer Tech Update brought to you by Identity Guard. Credit-related alerts in near real time. Plans start less than $7 a month. IdentityGuard.com slash Kim. Using a contact tracing app, you'll be informed when you cross paths with someone who has shared their positive COVID-19 diagnosis. Despite what you see on Facebook, Google's program isn't mandatory or automatic. You have to enroll to get COVID-19 exposure alerts. iPhone users have a setting for contact tracing in their health app, but neither Google nor Apple have the apps. They're only providing a way for developers to come up with apps that work with the phone's operating system feature. When it is available, you can turn the tracking off in your Android phone settings or iPhone's health menu. And remember, Contract tracing only works if most of the population participates. I'm Kim Commando. Hacking methods are always growing more sophisticated. And if you're working from home these days without your IT department to protect you from online threats, you need to take action to secure your devices you use for work. That's why I recommend using ExpressVPN for the best online protection possible. You probably already understand why encrypting your network data is so important but some of you still haven't acted. Why is that? You might be thinking that security threats don't affect you personally, but not using ExpressVPN is like leaving your front door unlocked every time you go out. Sure, nothing might happen for years, but when something does happen, it's devastating. 
With ExpressVPN, you click one button on your computer or smartphone and you're protected. So my only question is, why haven't you gotten ExpressVPN yet? Right now, go to expressvpn.com slash Kim and get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash Kim. The Rush Morning Update is brought to you by Luxury Limo of Lafayette. Book your next traveling party at LuxuryLimoOfLafayette.net. The New York City Board of Education has an announcement. They are launching an investigation into an assistant principal at New Dorp High School in Staten Island. Uh, suspect is Deborah Morse Cunningham. Her alleged crime is that she posted an opinion piece on social media. Her post began, what is privilege? Uh, Ms. Cunningham says she defines privilege as wearing a pair of $200 sneakers when you've never had a job, or wearing a pair of $300 headphones while you live on public assistance. She also classified privilege as living in publicly subsidized housing where there are no utility bills or property taxes to worry about. Well, a so-called concerned parent saw the post and was triggered. She reported it to the Board of Education, claiming the post was racist, even though not one word in it mentioned race. A spokeswoman for the New York City Department of Education defended the investigation of the Post. She said the DOE stands against racism and schools must be safe in inclusive learning environments. Maybe one day New York's Education Department will investigate the Constitution, specifically the portion concerning free speech, which happens to be the First Amendment to Bill of Rights. And they might one day investigate why so many children who attend their public schools come out completely uneducated. It was actually a brilliant, brilliant post, folks. Just because you can write does not qualify you to be a best-selling author. And the same logic applies to identity theft protection. You may be good at monitoring your credit, but that doesn't make you an authority on identity theft. Data breaches, your personal information gets in the wrong hands. This becomes complicated stuff. Cyber criminals commit identity theft every day. Now, on your own, you could miss certain identity threats, like somebody taking out a payday loan in your name, for instance. Or your information stolen as part of a data breach put out there on the dark web for other cyber bad guys to use for their own selfish gain. Now, no one can prevent all identity theft, but let me tell you, LifeLock has the tools and the know-how to help you like no other. Join now. Save up to 25% off your first year. Just go to LifeLock.com, promo code RUSH. That's it. LifeLock.com, promo code RUSH, 25% off. News Talk 96.5, K-P-E-L, Brobridge, Lafayette. Lowlifes who should be stopped. I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News. That's what President Trump tweeted about this. <laughs> Protesters burning an American flag in Washington the day after they tried to take down a statue of President Andrew Jackson and tried to set up a protest zone near the White House. The left is so dangerous, they always put their ideology before your safety. It's crazy what's going on. The president at a rally in a Phoenix church packed with students for Trump close together, many unmasked, as Arizona sees a record spike in coronavirus cases and hospitalizations. A disturbing surge of infections. 
White House Task Force Dr. Anthony Fauci at a House hearing. Fox's Tanya J. Powers has more live. Dave, after trending down for six weeks, U.S. cases of COVID-19 have gone back up to where they were at the peak of the outbreak. Johns Hopkins University, which compiles the numbers, said yesterday there were more than 34,000 new cases, and there have only been two days when that number was higher. That was April 9th and April 24th. Early hotspots like New York and New Jersey have seen declines, while some states set single-day records yesterday, including Arizona, California, Mississippi, Nevada, and Texas. Dave. Tanya's Senate vote to proceed with a policing reform bill is expected to fail today. Democrats don't think it goes far enough. Republican Senator Tim Scott. But they won't even start it. That tells me that this is already over. House Democrats are working on their own plan. It was a misunderstanding, not a hate crime. That's what the FBI now says about the news found in black NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace's garage at Talladega Sunday. Turns out that rope was in the same garage Wallace didn't use at a race in October. But Wallace told CNN it's not just a rope with a loop. It's a straight-up noose. The FBI has stated it was a noose over and over again. Ask your Amazon smart speaker to play the news from Fox. America's listening to Fox News. We're all in uncharted territory looking for ways to support our communities. At Dell Technologies, we're making sure small businesses have the right tech solutions. Dell Technologies advisors are here for you. From helping small businesses stay connected and productive while working remotely with Windows 10 and Microsoft Teams to rapidly deploying remote work solutions that limit upfront costs with Dell Financial Services. We're standing by you every step of the way. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. David Horowitz's new book about President Trump is out. It's called Blitz. In Blitz, Horowitz warns that Antifa wants to stop Trump and crush our freedoms. Blitz predicted that race would be a big issue, but Trump has a secret plan for the election. Mike Huckabee says if everyone reads Blitz, Trump will win. A number one Amazon bestseller. Get Blitz at bookstores or get the free offer from Newsmax and save $28. Just call 800-NEWSMAX. That's 800-NEWSMAX. Or go to blitz411.com. Blitz411.com. Joe Biden got some help from his old boss, former President Obama, appearing for the first time in an online fundraiser for the ex-VP turned presumed Democratic nominee. That virtual event pulling in $11 million, Obama claimed Trump has eroded America's world standing, used the Justice Department for personal benefit, and sowed division. But the biggest emphasis was voters cannot get complacent because this election will be close. I appreciate all of you being on this call, but... Man, this is serious business. Whatever you've done so far is not enough. More than 120,000 supporters dialing into the call. That's Fox's Jackie Heinrich. Rayshard Brooks's funeral was in Atlanta at the historic Ebenezer Baptist Church. I look at my grandbaby right there. She's look, she looks just like him. And when I look at her, I know that he's not gone. His mother-in-law, Rochelle Gooden, Brooks was shot and killed resisting arrest by an officer who was fired and then charged with murder. And Natalie White now has been arrested. She apparently had a close relationship, according to her attorney, with Brooks. She is accused of arson for setting that fire in the Wendy's. Talks to Steve Harrigan at Atlanta. The restaurant was burned down in protests over the shooting in the parking lot. Another one 
woman arrested in California for something very different. Authorities say the suspect was standing in line at a frozen yogurt shop in San Jose and got mad at a mother and baby behind her for not social distancing. Surveillance video of the June 12th incident shows the woman remove her mask and get close to the one-year-old's face. The woman then appears to intentionally cough two or three times on the child before leaving the store. Police have not identified the suspect, but are determined to make sure the woman, now wanted for assault, gets her just desserts. Steve Rappaport, Fox News. On Wall Street, stocks could fall. Dow futures are down more than 200 points out of the opening bell. I'm Dave Anthony, and this is Fox News. Your 24-7 news source, on air, online, and with the Cape Hill News app. Now the headlines from the Cape Hill News Center. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Rob Kirkpatrick. Your high today, 82 degrees, 90% chance of showers and storms. Tomorrow, 85 with 70% chance of showers and storms. The wet week continues. The full forecast from Daniel Phillips is just ahead. Local musician Jamie Bajron was fired from his day job at Acadian Ambulance yesterday after insensitive social media posts were widely shared over the weekend. The Instagram posts, which included a picture of a man wearing a white hood and a cartoon with the caption, quote, all lives splatter, apparently caught the attention of fellow Acadian employees who reported them to management. For his part, Bajron tells KATC, quote, I'm sorry that some took offense to this. This definitely was not my intention or a reflection of Acadian Ambulance or myself. The state continues its troubling trend of new COVID-19 cases, posting the highest single-day increase yesterday in new cases since April 7th. That number, 1,356 new positive cases. The increased number suggests community spread, and that is visible in the number of hospitalizations of COVID-19 patients. Ventilator use is also up by 14. Senator Bill Cassidy says Congress is working on another round of federal economic relief, but feels the $600 a week in federal unemployment benefits must be changed. Cassidy says the unemployed must not be allowed to collect more in unemployment benefits than they made at their last job. The $600 a week unemployment stipend pays many people more to not work than to work. Now, that's not good for society. Cassidy says one of his constituents says the unemployment benefits are making it difficult to staff their business as the economy begins to reopen. With unemployment, the people who formerly worked for him are making more than they were working for him. Now, that just doesn't work. Cassidy says instead of pushing for additional federal benefits, he'd like to see unemployed workers move into job openings that are becoming available. There are jobs out there. I'm speaking to employers. They're telling me that they would hire if they could. So hopefully some of those folks who are currently unemployed will find a place where they can be employed. Young people aged 18 to 29 represent the fastest growing sector of COVID-19 cases in the state. Brooke Thorrington explains. Young people now lead the state in case numbers with just under 9,000. Assistant Health Secretary Dr. Alex B.U. believes misconceptions could be a factor. A sense of risk uh, associated with having COVID, feeling like there are not that many deaths in my in my age group, so I can move out and about. So far, 10 deaths have been recorded in this age group. Dr. B.U. encourages young people to think about the consequences of their actions. It's about taking care of your health, taking care of your risks for spreading so that you don't fuel the spread in Louisiana. I'm Brooke Thorrington. Now, you may have heard of some restaurants who put up signs saying their employees would not be wearing masks when serving customers. Well, the governor's office is speaking out, reiterating that the order of masks is not optional for employees who work in restaurants or businesses that have interaction with the public. Shauna Samford, the governor's spokesperson, says there should be no confusion about the guidelines set forth from the governor's office that employees who have interaction with the public must wear face coverings. 
fire marshals officials will be out making sure folks are complying. Oil prices are falling on word of a big U.S. inventory build. International benchmark Brent crude is down 49 cents a barrel to 42.14, and West Texas intermediate crude is down 59 cents to 39.78 a barrel. Driving down prices is the American Petroleum Institute's estimate of 1.75 million barrel increase in the U.S. stockpile. Oil industry analysts have predicted a buildup of less than 300,000 barrels. NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace says he is relieved he wasn't the target of a hate crime. A member of his team found a noose in his garage stall at the Alabama track, Talladega Super Speedway. It turns out it had been there since last fall. The FBI says its investigation reveals no crime was committed. Wallace is NASCAR's only black driver and helped push for the recent ban of the Confederate flag. And finally, it looks like Europe will ban American tourists due to coronavirus cases surging in almost 30 states. The U.S. leads the world with more than 2 million cases. Brazil is second, followed by Russia. The New York Times also reports those countries will be blocked as well from travel to the EU. A decision has yet to be finalized, but will happen before the European Union reopens its borders on July 1st. Mostly cloudy skies across Acadiana today with showers and thunderstorms fairly prevalent in the forecast. On again, off again, rainfall basically through the rest of the day today. We'll get a quick break overnight tonight, and then showers going to be returning to the area again for tomorrow. As far as thunderstorms go, a few isolated severe thunderstorms could be possible. High winds going to be the biggest issue that we have with those storms. Again, they should stay fairly isolated and short-lived. Highs today get up to around 82 degrees. Lows tonight down in the mid-70s. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Acadiana's Morning News is brought to you in part by the T.J. Martell Foundation. Join the T.J. Martell Foundation in the fight against leukemia, cancer, and AIDS. Your support helps save more lives. Visit tjmartell.org to learn more. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Right now, traffic. And no issues to report at this time. The interstates look to be rolling as they should. Looks like that traffic signal malfunction has cleared itself up. So awesome. Rain in the area. Uh, it's actually sunny right this second, but a 90% chance of rain means that we'll have some wet roads to deal with today. 710 now at News Talk 96.5. KPL and Caban Bordelons in studio. We get started with Wing It Wednesday. Hey, there he is. How's it going? I'm having a stroke. Are you going to shake my hand or what? I'm having a stroke. Wow, you're not even moving your arm. I'm having a stroke. Are you okay? I'm having a stroke. Your face looks weird, too. I'm having a stroke. Are you having a seizure or something? I'm having a stroke. When someone is having a stroke, they may not be able to say it with words, but their body language will tell you loud and clear. I'm having a stroke. You just need to know the sudden signs. Look for FAST. F-A-S-T. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. Or S, speech difficulty. Then T, time. Time to call 911 immediately. Because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. Know the sudden signs. Face, arm, speech, time. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Today we decided to, to walk to school. The light counted. 15, 14, 41, 31, I mean 13. We, we took, took a left, left on Carroll Street. Street. Danny's smart, but he gets distracted. I realized he forgot his homework. I, I hope I don't have another, another bad day at school. When you can see learning and attention issues from their side, you can be on their side. That's why there's understood.org, a free resource for the parents of the one in five kids with learning and attention issues. Go from misunderstanding to understood.org. Brought to you by Understood and the Ad Council. 
I want to help more kids graduate from high school. Help more families learn how to budget and save. I want my neighbors to have access to health care. Help create opportunities for everyone in your community. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. It is 714 now at Newstalk 96.5. KPL, welcome into Winging It Wednesday. And Kavan Bordelon is here. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Rob. How are you? Hey, it's been a while. It's great to see you. <laughs> I should have played Reach Out because I could reach out and touch you right now for the first time it's, in months. Yeah, it's it's been a while since we've uh, actually done this in person, which yeah. I'm actually, I, I love. I'm so happy that we're kind of back to, to that. Cool. Well, and, and that's the deal. We're in this weird time, and I'm kind of interested in your thoughts. We're in this time where... We were improving, improving, improving. We go from phase one to phase two. Phase three is just around the corner. Now we're staying in phase two. And now every day there's a handful of businesses that say, we're going to close down again to regroup, and then we're going to come back. It just, though, seems like to me, it's just going to be a revolving door. Um, someone called yesterday and reminded us about the first SARS yeah. you know, that we knew yeah. about and that we heard about, and we heard it was coming and then there were some people who got it, but then it didn't spread. And it sort of seemed to fizzle itself out because we still don't have a vaccine for that one. Yeah. You know, well, that one just kind of went away. Well, so to, to be to be factual, we don't have a vaccine for any coronavirus variant. None. I mean, the, the common cold is a coronavirus variant, and we don't have a, a vaccine for that. And the common cold can still, in fact, have a mortality rate today if you have the 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 underlying causes that, that can make that happen. So I, I don't know that um, that there's, uh, I, I guess I'll wait and see on, are we actually ever going to have a, a vaccine? Mm-hmm. B, is it ever going to go away? That's a whole nother question. And I think it's a whole nother set of answers that, that we can look at where, where I have started to look is how are we looking on hospitalizations? How are we looking on mortality rate? And the more that I hear, read, see, on what hospitalizations and mortality rate looks like. Yeah, we are getting a, a spike in the number of cases. But when we look to the hospitalization rate, when we look to the mortality rate, that's all going in the opposite direction. I thought uh, saw an interesting study. I was about to say I saw and I thought, and it came out, <laughs> I thought. Um, I saw an interesting study out of Italy, which you know was, was the hotspot for a long time. And, and some of their researchers there say, well, the differences that we're seeing now is that even elderly people who would have, you know, from the onset of the first symptom, be needing to be intubated, needing needing yeah. oxygen, needing everything else, are actually sitting up and responding to different treatments that we've had. Maybe it's even the steroid treatment, the low-level steroid treatment, which we remember at the beginning, it was, we can't treat this that way. We right. can't do steroids. Now we're learning more. And I think the hard part for people in our kind of instantaneous world we live in yeah. are like, well, wait, why did you say that then? But now we say something different now. We see that about masks. We see that about uh, ventilators. We see, I mean, we see that about so many different things, steroids now, um, when we've had the benefit of time. I mean, we've had a few months. And I mean, gosh, to some of these medical professionals, I'm sure a day feels like a week. Yeah. You know, because you're dealing with so much. But we are learning. And that's how these things go. Well, and, and I think it's a really interesting dynamic when you think about something that we did talk about originally 
Um, and and I've actually heard this. It's 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 the fire burning itself out theory, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you've ever seen a fire burn itself out because it consumes all of the fuel that it has, it's one way that firefighters sometimes do look at at putting out certain types of fires. There was the theory initially that I heard from a couple of places that if you're over the age of 65 in the very beginning, if you're over 50, quarantine them, but let everybody else go out. Mm-hmm. Let everybody else go out and get it. And eventually what will happen is those people who did get it would pass through the contagion stage. And now all of a sudden it's effectively not necessarily gone. It's still there, but it's burned through all the, the fuel that it has mm-hmm. for those to be contagious. Do you think that's happened even if it's kind of by accident? Well, I, I don't know if we've gotten to that herd immunity that, that we heard a lot about earlier. Maybe we have. I mean, I, I'm yet to receive. I'm still waiting on my, my medical doctorate, right, to, to come in the mail. So yeah. that, that qualifies me as an absolute expert, which it absolutely doesn't. But mm-hmm. I guess my, my point is this. I, I think you're right on A, time. B, you know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they made a really interesting comment on something completely different, but it really applies. We were talking about bodily injuries. The body is a biological self-healing machine. It's designed to heal itself, right? We're not designed for regeneration like some amphibians, you know, you cut off their tail, they grow a new Your liver, right? Not totally, your liver can, Not totally, but your your liver does have some of that property, right? But if your body isn't working properly, it a lot of times will find ways to continue to make itself work if if left to a lot of its own devices. Now, that's not to say don't go to a doctor, don't get treatment, right? Yeah. But I have to wonder if maybe as a species, we've started to get that herd immunity that helps us maybe adapt to some of what's in the environment. Do you think maybe we didn't accept or want to admit to ourselves as a country that there are a lot of people that are walking, living, breathing, working, active members of society that are very sick, like they live day to day. I mean, when you talk about diabetes and high blood pressure and you talk about the black community, which has been so Mm -hmm. hard hit by this thing. And then you talk about the culture and how that works. Those two things are silent unless you ever, you know, are, you know, get to that 1130 time of the day and you kind of have the shakes because now your blood sugar has dropped and it's really off and you can feel that. But how many people do you know who have said you can't feel high blood pressure? You don't know you have diabetes unless you ever have the physical effects yeah. from it. You know, and those are two big things that make you a higher risk to die from COVID-19. So, so let's let's think about this historically, right? Because I, I think there's an application here that, that really is uh, probably part and parcel to this theory. The mortality rate from things that would kill us 100 years ago has been reduced so greatly by the advances in modern medicine, right? Mm-hmm. By a lot of those treatments in cases where the body just can't heal on its own, right? Because it, it can't always just self-heal everything. But we have been able to keep people functional through advances in medicine mm-hmm. that years ago, they might not have survived that, much less that plus something else. Hmm. So if, if maybe we think about it historically that way, I think there's maybe an interesting correlation. And, and like I said, I, uh, I'm, I'm waiting to see where the, we're going to be because will it ever go away? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'd love to say that I think it will. I'm optimistic. I'm not completely convinced that it will ever be gone. I'm always interested to, to you know, kind of fast forward and, and think, 
you know, really think about what are we going to be saying about this time five years from now? Is is what we're going to learn from it that you can't shut down the economy? I don't care how bad things are. Maybe you need to put more personal responsibility on people to either go out or not go out. Um, but there is also because early on, I texted a friend who's involved in politics and I said, how do you feel about this? Because I do want to ask about the politics angle in a second. But I just said, how do you feel about like just this whole thing? And the answer I got was that it's a very real balance between the government's responsibility for public health yeah. and the government's responsibility to to maintain and Individual keep the economy freedom. going and yeah. freedoms. It is, and you know what? There are a lot of people, when I'm watching these comments, they advocate for one or the other. You know, they say, oh, no, the government has to uphold our freedoms. Then the other side says, not thinking about freedom, the government has to keep people safe. But it really is a it, delicate it is. balance. It, it, it absolutely is, because... Uh, you know, when you think about what is what is the social contract that we as citizens have with our government, um, and it is essentially public safety, public utilities, transportation, infrastructure, those types of things, right? That's the true, when you go back and look at where we started, what was the premise and the formation of our government? Why was it formed? That's what it was formed for. So, yeah, the government does have some responsibility to do what it needs to to keep us safe. Now, the question to me becomes, how can the government guarantee my safety in a situation like this? I don't know that the government can ever guarantee my safety in a situation like this, because essentially what we got was a very large oxymoron of a policy, right? Two really opposing viewpoints, which is you can't go out in public except for Walmart and except for the grocery store and except for these vital places where you can and, and all can't of a sudden go. you see the list and I would say probably 75% of businesses could in theory loop themselves into being essential. Correct. Well, but I, I think the bigger thing and is I'm saying loop themselves, not be looped in by yeah, anyone else. Like yeah, they say, wait, hold yeah, hold up. We're essential. The, uh, the police officers need their, their yeah. shirts ironed. Yep. We're yep. going to be open because we're a dry cleaner, you know, and, but I, I guess my, my whole point is this. If we're going to if we're going to argue for government to guard the safety of the people, how can the government guard safety when it says you can't be out in public except for the Walmart, which even at 25 percent capacity can still have, you know, a thousand fifteen hundred people in there, probably. Just and because it's square and footage. That's, yeah, right. It's just the, because of square footage. So, so you're telling me the virus is smart and it's going to stay away from restaurants and bars and barbershops. But it's. Or it, it, it's going to go in those places, but it's going to stay away from grocery stores and other places where we're going to intermingle. That's where I think we see that balance come in. And, and the I don't necessarily know the politics of it there because we also then have to balance. Well, people need food. Yep. Yep. What do you think about the comparison to other countries? I mean, you have New Zealand who has declared it's gone and everything's open 100 percent. I mean, you have different places doing different things. And I keep seeing more and more. I mean, obviously. You and I both know we we both worked in news. We know how to read through articles and at least be able to take a mental tabulation of what's the angle you're writing yeah. this from. Yeah. But, you know, when you do look at it and you do take this this piece of data, we're at one hundred and twenty thousand people. That's a hundred. That's twenty five percent of the total world deaths. And we don't represent twenty percent of the world population. People have issue with that. So, so I think I think you've got a couple of things going on here. Number one, um, I actually sent an article, and I'll, I'll pull it if I can. It came out of Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, we had someone who was murdered, shot, and they were listed as a COVID death. Right when you look at the reporting and the way reporting has come in, 
there's more than anecdotal evidence that reports on death certificates. If uh, I think the wording is if if they are believed to be symptomatic. So if the person comes to you and says, well, they passed away yesterday, they had the sniffles, they had a little difficulty breathing, which could be symptomatic of multiple things automatically code that as a COVID-19. So do we go back after the fact, kind of like we've done in the state of Louisiana, where we rolled back 1600 cases two days ago? So I hope we, I hope we we do because, because it's the only way for us to get the story, not a story. There's actually statistics that came out of the CDC. Um, I don't know. I think we might've even talked briefly about this. Mm -hmm. And one of the last times I was on that documented deaths in the city of New York. So the place where it was the worst Mm -hmm. at the time, it was the worst mid-March to mid-April. CDC statistics, not Kavans. There were roughly 13,500 deaths in March to mid-April of 2019, right? And that included pneumonia, diabetes, heart attack, everything, everything, right? right. That number jumps to 16,000. So about 3,000 more. March March to April of 2020. So yeah, there's a slight increase when you think about, but when you think about the number of people in New York, statistically, it's not a very large increase. When you actually look at the breakdown, though, of what New York is claiming is the same number of deaths that they had the year before, so or the same causes of death from the year before, heart attack, disease, pneumonia, right? Those things. Then they just basically those have a COVID deaths, complication. Those, That's what they're saying, right? Those deaths that were 13,500 the year before went down to 6,000 in 2020. So you're telling me that in a year, in a year, we have decreased... Diabetic death, heart attack death, pneumonia death by fifty percent. That yeah. that those types of numbers, numbers make no no sense to me. And the gray area, the one part that I hate about it is because people are so black and white in their views, and then but yet on the other side, the the politicians don't acknowledge the gray area like what you're talking about, where those questions are because things are moving so fast. You're just saying, oh oh no, this is this, and let's put people into boxes. But gosh, but you talk about that. Those are numbers that really need to be looked at. Those there's and I think the quote is there's lies, damn lies and statistics. 728 now at News Talk 96.5 KPL. Big issue in our own community involving free speech. What's covered? The First Amendment, the misunderstanding of it. We're going to talk to Kavan, get his take on the Jamie Bajron situation that came to a head yesterday with Acadian Ambulance. That's coming up next on Winging It Wednesday. So, you want to be a guest on Acadiana's Morning News, huh? We'll send your request to news at kpl965.com. Sard. I adopted Bento in 2010 from a shelter. This cat makes me make art. He's always motivating me to draw pictures of him. He just is motivating artistically. He's my best friend, but a lot of people know him as Keyboard Cat. Keyboard Cat, YouTube star and shelter pet. Amazing adoption stories start in shelters. Start yours today. Visit theshelterpetproject.org to find a pet near you. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Russell Wilson here. We play 60, United Way, and the NFL are helping kids play at least 60 minutes a day. Healthy kids! To get involved, go to unitedway.org slash play60. Donate! Are you guys going to do that every time? Yes, of course! Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council.
Bringing a Wednesday brought to you by LABI and our guest, Kavon Bordelon. Yesterday, we got a statement from Acadian Ambulance. And I would imagine we're going to get some phone calls on this. So uh, they're wide open, 232-1542. Jamie Bajeron, local musician. Yeah. His day job, he's been a paramedic, I think, for 30 years for Acadian. Um, posted some Instagram posts, like some Instagram pictures. One of them can, had a guy that was wearing a white hood. Another one, um, it was seemed to be a cartoon of someone running over protesters, and it said, all lives splatter. Um, there was, there were a lot of them. There was a handful. I think there was like eight or nine. Well, it seems as if another Acadian employee came across it. And that seems to be sort of where it, where it started. And, you know, a lot of people, I don't know. It's just so hard how to classify this. I've heard people say tone deaf. I've heard people go so far as to say it was just downright racist. Um, but we live in a society right now where it doesn't seem like this was the time for it at all. Um, what are your thoughts and also on the freedom of speech First Amendment side? Because that's what I see a lot of people saying. Wait a second. That, that was his free speech. So let's let's start there. <clears throat> I I'm a firm believer in the absolute right of the First Amendment, which is I should have the right to say anything I want to say. Right. I'm, I'm a true libertarian in the sense of. I can do anything I want to do until it infringes upon the rights of someone else. And that does not mean your feelings. However, the First Amendment does not guarantee that your employer has to agree with it, right? So because you say something does not mean that you do not have the right to be um, free of any accountability for it if, in fact, it does violate something that you've agreed to. So I... Obviously, I number one, I haven't seen their employment contract at Acadian Ambulance. Number two, I did not see the Instagram posts. I did not see those social media posts. I don't pretend to know what's in them. Number three, I have a brief understanding that inside of their contract, and they are not a government entity, they are a private entity. However, they do contract with governments. And a lot of times when you contract with governments, you agree to certain stipulations. And if you have a... a basically a moral turpitude clause inside of your employment agreement, you are subject to that, that, that clause. And if that's the case, so that's a big if, because I'm not in the situation, mm -hmm. I don't know. But if that is the case, does he have the right to say it? Yes. Does Acadian have the right to respond to it? Because it is their company. It is their potential employment contract. They do as well. So it may be a situation here where multiple people are right. And if you if that's the, the course that you want to go, both sides actually have a stance here, potentially. Let's go out on a limb and <clears> say we're not talking <throat> about Jamie Bajeron. We're not talking about Acadian. We're talking about an employee and a company. No social media <clears throat> policy, no contract. You just work here. OK, something is posted like this. There's a public outrage. It starts getting spread around and you're worried about the reputation of your company. In that case, does your opinion change or does the company still have the right? So I, I think at that point, if, if there's no prior agreement to it, do I think that the company has a right to be understanding of how it's being represented? If, if I, for example, jump out here and say, hey, this is the opinion of my employer, right? Now I'm trying to transfer my opinion to that of, of an entire organization. 
And I think at that point, the organization absolutely does. If I say this is my opinion and has nothing to do with my employer and does not affect how I do my job. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, I, I think there's probably some legal gray area where someone with a jurist doctorate is going to have to get in and have that discussion. Not me. I'm going to throw out two buzzwords, <clears throat> the mob mentality and cancel, cancel culture. culture, because that also plays in. We're seeing it happening with monuments. We're seeing, you know, I, you know, and, and you probably even have some opinions on this too, because last weekend or maybe two weekends ago, you had the John McDonough bust taken from um, the park right in front of City Hall, put into the Mississippi River. It has since been retrieved, by the way, and someone has it somewhere. They wow. found it. Um, but to me, I never knew about. I never knew about any racial tendencies or racist tendencies. Now I know about his name being on schools in New Orleans and a lot of the. His estate, millions of dollars, went to forming the public school system in New Orleans. It, it almost seems to me like it's the looking at things in history through a 2020 lens. Well, I'm still trying to figure out how Stevie Ray Vaughan was a racist, right? Because you know what? I think pe- that, that someone m- must not have known what they were doing when they spray painted on the Stevie. He's just a statue. Yeah, he, he's a I statue of a musician. It it's so, a statue. Yeah. So, so my 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 point here. Um, and and I'm I'm going to go back to the the cancel culture mm-hmm. portion of that because I think that's really where um, I think that's really where as a potential society we have gone awry, and it's this it, it's what I talked about initially when I said we absolutely have the First Amendment right to say whatever we want. It it should not be about and we have gotten to a point where feelings all of a sudden yep have become monetary forms of monetary damage you hurt my feelings therefore you need to be canceled mm-hmm. we've got to go back to actual physical have we created a physical barrier for someone or hurt someone physically because just because you say something i don't like doesn't mean to me that you should be canceled there's a lot of people who say things that i don't like but you know what you have the right to say it I want to go to the phones. If you could put those headphones on right here in front of you. We're going to go to line one. Hey, thank you for waiting. Uh, Go ahead. Give us your name and your thoughts on the situation. Good morning. Yeah, this is Ken. Ken. Um, The the biggest problem I have, and and I think it's a huge just snowflake society right now, like he just said about if you say something I don't like, then that's wrong. The problem is that no matter the topic, usually half the people are wrong and half the people are right. So there needs to be that discussion. The biggest problem I have is that it seems like there's a broad push on the left that they're the only ones that get to say they get their feelings hurt. So if conservatives are upset about anything, it doesn't matter. If, if our feelings are hurt that people are kneeling during the national anthem, then that gets totally washed away that our feelings don't hurt or that we're being too judgmental. But as soon as the their feelings are hurt about any little thing, then society has to change. So it seems like there's one side that gets to voice what needs to be changed and the other side gets told to shut up. Hey, Ken. That's- Thanks for the call. Kavon, I'll let you respond to that. Thanks, Ken. Uh, Ken. Ken brings up what I believe is a brilliant point here, <clears throat> which is, is this. A lot of times, people like to say, this is my truth. I have a huge 
huge issue with the entire my truth. And not the truth. Correct. Not the truth. Just because it's your truth doesn't mean it's the truth. I'll give you a perfect example. I was a, a, a young child growing up in New Orleans, 1978, 79, seven, eight years old. My dad brought me down to the Ninth Ward where he grew up, right across the Claiborne Street Bridge in New Orleans, right off the Tennessee Street Canal. He walked me down to that canal and he pointed at that levee and said, Kavan, if we ever get another Betsy, that's where they're going to blow up the levee. Okay, file it away in Kavan's memory. 2005, Katrina hits. Did the Tennessee Street levee blow up? We don't know. But did it breach? Yeah. That could be my truth. I was told when I was a kid. That was the truth, right? Do we know? No. I'll be the first one to tell you I don't know. Is it a coincidence? Yeah. But just because it's my truth doesn't mean it's the truth. And just because you believe it's that way doesn't mean that it is. And, and this is where we have to go with this. And I'm really passionate about this, as you'll see. Wanting to start a conversation needs to happen. But we have to have a real conversation, right? A conversation or an argument or a discussion is only as viable as the ability to actually solve for the problem, right? So if you want to start a conversation, that means a two-way exchange of ideas, number one. Not a, I'm going to talk, you shut up and listen, mm -hmm. right? Number yeah, that's one, not a conversation. Number one. Number two, if you present better facts or real facts that I didn't know, I have to be willing to change my mind or at least consider that I need to go do some research. But does and we're not come, there. This does come down to <clears throat> our, our culture, though, because... <clears throat> We don't like to have difficult conversations. We don't like to be uncomfortable talking about finances. We don't like to be uncomfortable talking about race we're now seeing. Um, last Monday, Bernie had some guests on her afternoon show, and you had um, Marjorie Broussard. She's from the NAACP. Okay. And you had a local pastor who was probably in his 60s, uh, a black pastor. And then you had another guy who's like a young activist. He was like 25. And you listen between the pastor and the younger guy. And they were talking, in my opinion, two different things because the older pastor, he's dealt with this his whole life. He's tried to have the conversations and in his life, in his mind, they have failed. The 25-year-old talks about his own experience with his own friends actually being able to talk about it and having his friends who are also 25 saying, all right, let's talk about it. I want to go to the phones real quick yeah, and then, absolutely. then you can continue. Uh, good morning. You're on with Winging It Wednesday. Uh, that's you. Go ahead with your comment. Go ahead. That's you. Yeah. Yeah. You there? I'm here. Go ahead. Uh, Jamie Bajeron, um I'm an ER nurse, and I have seen Jamie bring in all kinds of sick and ill patients of every ethnicity. I think he's done a great job his whole entire life, and it's a shame that something like this has cost him his job. I feel as though it will also cost people's lives. That's all I had to say. Y'all follow up. Well, well thank day. you, and thank you for the call. And, and, and I think that's, a, that's an absolutely great point. And something that you bring up there is, is something that I think is very relevant and pertinent to the entire conversation. Uh, which is something that I'm going to try and coin the term right here and right now, which is snapshot culture, right? The judgment of one person off of a very small snapshot of who they are. Um, there's because, and, and it's kind of a different subject from what, you know, what Acadian has the, the ability to do and happen based upon his free speech that it's completely different from that. But it's where we are today in culture, which is 
all too often, we are willing to to judge people based upon a very small snapshot of who and what they are. Um, Once again, I kind of defer to history on this. You know, today, St. Paul is is revered in the Catholic Church. At one time in his life, he persecuted Christians, right? So you're talking about a a man who took a very different path to sainthood than many people, which is why I think we have to be careful, as the caller said, not to judge someone. That's why we don't get to judge. You don't get to judge me. I don't get to judge you. That's not the way this works, right? We don't get to judge each other. What we have to do is assume positive intent. Assume that sometimes the way that I want to make things better for me, for you, for everybody else is to take the hard road. That's a tough discussion to get us there as opposed to capitulation, which is a lot of times what one side wants. Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're on Winging It Wednesday. Go ahead with your comments. That's you. Go ahead. Okay. I think we might have lost them. Hey, good morning. You're on Acadiana's Morning News. Go ahead with your comment. Hey, good morning, guys. Morning. Morning. I, I've just come over time to learn that if you have a conservative view in life, you can't apologize for something you say, no matter how hard you try to. But if you have a liberal leaning to your life, you can say anything you want at any time. And you're never brought to the woodshed for what you say. How do you think? You kind can of, just yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you can just watch the news and pass politicians. And anyway, it just it's my observation after quite a few number of years of being involved in and watching what's going on in our country, the craziness that's going on. Thank you for the call. So I, I think the caller brings to mind some very recent things. And, and, and let's let's talk about how we get there and how this happens politically. And let's take some some very recent examples. Um, so, for example, we have a, a sitting president who was impeached for allegedly extorting Ukraine um, to get something he wanted politically. We have a former vice president who is a presidential candidate who is on tape now, not once, Not twice, but three times. And his campaign has admitted that at least two of them are absolutely real. Mm -hmm. Telling the very same country that our sitting president was accused of, which, by the way, they came up with no proof that it happened. But he's on tape doing it multiple times. And the media has gone, oh, yeah, that's been debunked. When you ask the question by who, they go, oh, it was debunked. No, just because you say it's debunked doesn't mean it's debunked. The, the reality is this, and, and this, is, this is where I, Kavan jumps on his former member of the media soapbox. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a lot of people who view things from one side of the aisle employed in the media. And a lot of them are no longer um, journalists. They're not here to, to try and do or, or to do what I try to do and what we're trying to do, which is say, look, here's both sides of the argument. You get to make up your mind. They're there to tell you this is the story. Instead, it's a story, right? Do you think that there's also the side where they want the media to advocate for one side? So when you say they. Just just generally, because I feel like I see people from the left and the right, whether you're on the right and you're criticizing MSNBC or you're on the left and you're criticizing Fox, it seems like the reason that they're mad is because in their mind, 
whatever station you're watching, you're advocating for the other side. And even when it comes to local news, they want people to advocate for a side, even so, when they're trying. So I, I don't know that they necessarily want them to advocate for a side because I'll tell you, I can only tell you what frustrates me uh -huh. and what I've heard frustrates a lot of people. It's that the headlines, the stories, as you talked about just a second ago, when you can read a story and you can see the angle in the story, I think it's become so obvious and so blatant mm -hmm. that people just recognize it now. Well, and, and, also and, how and you things, see it going, going each way, right? As things are qualified, too, everything <clears throat> that's written is not a news story. And oh, the, lines have been, the lines have been blurred. Well, and, and let's talk about the rush to be first instead of the rush to be right. That's right. I mean, you know, when you start thinking about some of the things that have very recently happened and some of the things that, that we now find out didn't happen or maybe didn't happen the way that it was said they happened, right? Now, all of a sudden, it's, well, the media ran with this and, and blew it up because of the 24-hour news cycle, the need for programming and content and viewers as opposed to, look, let's stop, let's get this right, let's pull this out, let's take 24 hours and really figure this out. Let's take one more phone call before the break. Is it Robert? Are you, is that who this is? Yeah, okay, yeah. I, I, I agree 100% with your with your guess. Um, I mean, it's so obvious now that the, the mainstream news, liberal news media is uh, just a propaganda machine against uh, President Trump and against conservatism and also against Christianity. Um, but uh, with regards to what you were speaking about with business owners, mm -hmm. I noticed that the government will go ahead and tell business owners that they must uh, not discriminate against certain individuals that hold certain beliefs. But it's okay if you discriminate against individuals that hold conservative beliefs that uh, that is contrary to what the left is putting forth, especially the crazy left. Does it change president to president? Because that's something that always comes up. We had a black president. We had, you know, when you start talking about race issues and we still had the problems then. Well, we have Trump right now. We have, we don't have a leftist in there. We have Trump and yet we still have uh, courts, you know, uh, judges and, and, and uh, government uh, uh, officials, bureaucrats that will side, that will tell business owners, no, you cannot discriminate against somebody that holds the leftist position. Oh, but you can discriminate against someone that holds a conservative position. That's okay. You can fire them. Robert, thanks for the call. Come on. So this goes back to the statement that I, I made earlier on the show, which is I, I'm a firm believer that I have the right to do and say whatever I want until it infringes upon the right of somebody else. Perfect example for me is motorcycle helmet law. Motorcycle helmet law, as a driver for me, as someone who does not ride a motorcycle, I have a hard time understanding because ultimately a motorcycle helmet doesn't affect me. If you want to take that chance with your life by not wearing a helmet, and there are even studies that I've read that say a helmet makes it more dangerous, right? If, but that should be your decision. When it comes down to something like this, we do. We have... Um, we have judges, we have politicians who are elected on what they believe are popular mandates, right? To go do what they want for, for their constituency. But a lot of times we then find conflicting interests with regards to freedom of religion. So, for example, um, you know, as a Catholic, there are certain beliefs that Catholics hold near and dear. And when, when Obamacare was passed, 
there were certain stipulations in there about what businesses must provide that went against that. And that was a long, lengthy court battle, right? Um, It's one of those situations where I don't necessarily believe we need to legislate that at all, right? Leave it out. Don't address it. It makes no difference to either side either way if it's just not there. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back more. Kavan Bordelon, I'm going to ask you. We don't have much time, but the last thing I had on my list was the recent Supreme Court decisions. A lot of conservative have upset, especially where Spurton justices stood on these issues. We're going to talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Winging It Wednesday, brought to you by LABI. The day's biggest stories and full interviews from KPEL shows. Online now at KPEL965.com. You're listening to American Ground Radio's Morning Minute. After a mob tried to tear down a statue of Andrew Jackson in Washington, D.C., President Trump tweeted that anyone convicted of destroying federal monuments would face up to 10 years in prison. Of course destroying federal monuments is a crime. It's property that belongs to we, the people. You know, over the weekend, President Trump said we ought to come up with legislation that if you burn the American flag, you go to jail for one year. Well, the United States Supreme Court has already ruled that the act of flag burning is constitutionally protected free speech under the First Amendment. That means that only a new constitutional amendment and not an act of Congress would make burning a flag a criminal act. Free speech is not violence, but violence is not free speech. American Ground Radio, where building a better America begins with building a better us. Return each Sunday from 1 to 2 p.m. with Louis R. Avalone and Stephen Park. On News Talk 96.5, KPL, and streaming live at KPL96.5.com. Come on, live large. Make it a double with an extra shot of espresso. Throw in a donut, too, okay? Quickly, Supreme Court. This is like a lightning round. Oh, so yeah, of you've course. had Let's two go. big bills. Number one was DACA, and the other one was hmm, a workplace protection for LGBTQ plus folks. Um, one of them came down the um, LGBTQ workplace protections, ended up sort of affirming that those protections fall under sex discrimination. Correct. So it was not even a case. DACA, um, which John Roberts, uh, yep. Chief Justice John Roberts, um, wrote the opinion on. It really seemed like it was basically the process that it happened. Correct. Because guess what? It was just an document was just an executive order, which means it could have just been reversed with another executive, executive order. order. I don't know why the White House didn't do that. But. Well, so so my understanding about the, the Supreme Court ruling with regards to DACA is that the Supreme Court did not necessarily rule against the White House. It said you need to come back and do this in a different format. Right. Because had the Supreme Court ruled and that's that's my understanding. But had the Supreme Court ruled that a sitting president can write an executive order and no sitting president afterwards can reverse that executive order, it that just, would effectively create a king who writes law from the White House. It would have never which, gone to court if he would have just signed another executive order that correct, negated it or correct, changed it. Correct. So so I, I think that's kind of the, the, the big thing on Doc. Which Trump's not afraid of signing executive orders. No, he's I don't not. know why the inner circle didn't say, this is the clear path to do it. It doesn't so, make sense. But what, what I... What I have perceived doesn't mean that it's right. What I have perceived is that a lot of times when he does things like this or when the team does things like this, mm-hmm. there is an ulterior motive to try and, and, and pierce something out, right? To try and vet something in a certain way that then allows them to, to go maybe the way they want. So they're playing chess potentially, not checkers. 
is, is one of the ways that I think about it. When we go to the, the second one, which is L, LGBTQ as a, a sexist discrimination. Um, By the way, just about 20 seconds because we got hit news at the top of the hour. I'm going to sum this up very quickly. I'm against anything that creates any special group. And here's why. We all sh- are to be treated equally inside the United States of America. I don't care who you are. I don't care what, what your, your orientation is. You should have the same rights that I have. I should have the same rights that you have. And that's the only way we all win together. Because if we are divided, the two, con- the two political parties can keep us divided. United power comes back to the United States people. Come on board, Alon. Thanks so much. See you soon. Thank the you. news you want to know. Attorney General. He lied to Congress. Chicken bar should have shown up today. You slandered this man. Circus political stunt. KPEL FM. Brobridge Lafayette. Or attacked. I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News. It happened last night during protests in Wisconsin, where Fox's Jeff Manasso is live. Dave, Wisconsin State Senator Tim Carpenter took to Twitter last night saying that he was attacked while filming video outside the state capitol in Madison. The Democrat saying he was punched and kicked to the head and neck and ribs that innocent people will be killed and that the violence must stop. Two statues were also toppled. The destruction in Madison follows the arrest of a black man who disrupted a restaurant with a bullhorn and a baseball bat. Dave. Now, Jeff, Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers just put out a statement. The Democrat says he's prepared to activate the National Guard to protect state buildings. And the protests that happened last night in Washington... An American flag was burned the night after they tried to take down a statue and set up a protest zone. President Trump tweeted, they're lowlifes who must be stopped. And an earlier tweet has been flagged by Twitter, hidden in it. The president wrote, there will never be an autonomous zone in D.C. It will be met with serious force. Twitter called that abusive behavior, violating its rules. Counselor to the president, Kellyanne Conway, just told Fox. I think the broader issue is what's important here. There's a huge difference to the president and the rest of us between peaceful, peace and protest protesting and violence and vandalism. Former President Obama took aim at the Trump administration. The shambolic, disorganized, mean-spirited approach to governance that we've seen. He helped Joe Biden raise $11 million in an online fundraiser. The coronavirus keeps spiking up. The nearly 35,000 new U.S. cases reported yesterday is the most in a day since April. Arizona and Texas seeing record high infections. So is Florida. Governor Ron DeSantis. This is real. Now, they are testing more than they were for sure, but they're also testing positive at a higher rate. America's listening to Fox News. We're all in uncharted territory looking for ways to support our communities. At Dell Technologies, we're making sure Sure, small businesses have the right tech solutions. Dell Technologies advisors are here for you. From helping small businesses stay connected and productive while working remotely with Windows 10 and Microsoft Teams to rapidly deploying remote work solutions that limit upfront costs with Dell Financial Services. We're standing by you every step of the way. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. David Horowitz's new book about President Trump is out. It's called Blitz. In Blitz, Horowitz warns that Antifa wants to stop Trump and crush our freedoms. Blitz predicted that race would be a big issue, but Trump has a secret plan for the election. Mike Huckabee says if everyone reads Blitz, Trump will win. A number one Amazon bestseller. Get Blitz at bookstores or get the free offer from Newsmax and save $28. Just call 800-NEWSMAX. That's 800-NEWSMAX. Or go to blitz411.com. Blitz411.com. An attempt at 
Reforming police in the Senate may go nowhere today. Democrats will vote against allowing it to proceed. They don't think it goes far enough. House Democrats are working on their own reform plan. And today, in three hours, they'll hold a hearing on the Roger Stone case. The ex-Trump associate who got three years in prison for lying to Congress and witness tampering a lighter sentence than he could have gotten. Assistant U.S. Attorney Aaron Zelinsky is expected to tell Congress Roger Stone was being treated differently from other defendants because of his relationship to the president. In prepared remarks for the House Judiciary Committee ahead of a hearing Wednesday, Zelensky says he raised repeated concerns in writing and orally that political favoritism was wrong. Zelensky was a member of special counsel Robert Mueller's team and ultimately resigned from the Stone prosecution after the Justice Department recommended a far more lenient sentence than prosecutors requested. Jared Halpern, Fox News. The NASCAR news investigation took a turn when the FBI concluded it was a misunderstanding involving the only black driver in the Cup Series. NASCAR President Steve Phelps thanked the FBI for their quick and thorough investigation into the news found in Bubba Wallace's garage stall at Talladega over the weekend, revealing there will be no charges levied. Bubba Wallace was not the target of a hate crime. Um, for us at NASCAR, this is the best result we could hope for. The pull-down rope in garage stall four apparently having a knot tied into it since October of last year, creating what seems to be a misunderstanding. But Phelps, standing by NASCAR's approach. We would have done the same investigation. Uh, it was important for us to do. There is no place in our sport for this type of racism or hatred. Matt Napolitano, Fox News. Now, Wallace still insists that was not just a looped rope, it was a noose. Major League Baseball is planning a 60-game season to start a month from now. Spring training, July 1st. On Wall Street, Dow futures are down nearly 200 points. I'm Dave Anthony, and this is Fox News. Your 24-7 news source, on air, online, and with the Cape Hill News app. Now the headlines from the Cape Hill News Center. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Rob Kirkpatrick. Your high today, 82 degrees, 90% chance of showers and storms. Tomorrow, 85 with 70% chance of showers and storms. The wet week continues. The full forecast from Daniel Phillips is just ahead. Local musician Jamie Bajron was fired from his day job at Acadian Ambulance yesterday after insensitive social media posts were widely shared over the weekend. The Instagram post, which included a picture of a man wearing a white hood and a cartoon with the caption, quote, all lives splatter, apparently caught the attention of fellow Acadian employees who reported them to management. For his part, Bajron tells KATC, quote, I'm sorry that some took offense to this. This definitely was not my intention or a reflection of Acadian Ambulance or myself. The state continues its troubling trend of new COVID-19 cases, posting the highest single-day increase yesterday in new cases since April 7th. That number, 1,356 new positive cases. The increased numbers suggest community spread, and that is visible in the number of hospitalizations of COVID-19 patients. Ventilator use is also up by 14. Senator Bill Cassidy says Congress is working on another round of federal economic relief, but feels the $600 a week in federal unemployment benefits must be changed. Cassidy says the unemployed must not be allowed to collect more in unemployment benefits than they made at their last job. The $600 a week unemployment stipend pays many people more to not work than to work. Now, that's not good for society. Cassidy says one of his constituents says the unemployment benefits are making it difficult to staff their business as the economy begins to reopen. With unemployment, the people who formerly worked for him are making more than they were working for him. Now, that just doesn't work. 
Cassidy says instead of pushing for additional federal benefits, he'd like to see unemployed workers move into job openings that are becoming available. There are jobs out there. I'm speaking to employers. They're telling me that they would hire if they could. So hopefully some of those folks who are currently unemployed will find a place where they can be employed. Young people aged 18 to 29 represent the fastest growing sector of COVID-19 cases in the state. Brooke Thorrington explains. Young people now lead the state in case numbers with just under 9,000. Assistant Health Secretary Dr. Alex B.U. believes misconceptions could be a factor. A sense of risk uh, associated with having COVID, feeling like there are not that many deaths in my in my age group, so I can move out and about. So far, 10 deaths have been recorded in this age group. Dr. B.U. encourages young people to think about the consequences of their actions. It's about taking care of your health, taking care of your risks for spreading so that you don't fuel the spread in Louisiana. Louisiana. I'm Brooke Thorrington. Now, you may have heard of some restaurants who put up signs saying their employees would not be wearing masks when serving customers. Well, the governor's office is speaking out, reiterating that the order of masks is not optional for employees who work in restaurants or businesses that have interaction with the public. Shauna Samford, the governor's spokesperson, says there should be no confusion about the guidelines set forth from the governor's office that employees who have interaction with the public must wear face coverings. Fire marshals officials will be out making sure folks are complying. Oil prices are falling on word of a big U.S. inventory build. International benchmark Brent crude is down 49 cents a barrel to 42.14. And West Texas intermediate crude is down 59 cents to 39.78 a barrel. Driving down prices is the American Petroleum Institute's estimate of 1.75 million barrel increase in the U.S. stockpile. Oil industry analysts have predicted a buildup of less than 300,000 barrels. NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace says he is relieved he wasn't the target of a hate crime. A member of his team found a noose in his garage stall at the Alabama track, Talladega Super Speedway. It turns out it had been there since last fall. The FBI says its investigation reveals no crime was committed. Wallace is NASCAR's only black driver and helped push for the recent ban of the Confederate flag. And finally, it looks like Europe will ban American tourists due to coronavirus cases surging in almost 30 states. The U.S. leads the world with more than 2 million cases. Brazil is second, followed by Russia. The New York Times also reports those countries will be blocked as well from travel to the EU. A decision has yet to be finalized, but will happen before the European Union reopens its borders on July 1st. Pattern is going to roll into a third day here as we've got showers and thunderstorms on tap. Basically on again, off again throughout the rest of the day today. It's going to be fairly active, fairly wet as well. We've got the chance for a few isolated severe thunderstorms a little later on this afternoon. So we'll have to watch the radar as they do start to pop up. Biggest issue you're going to have with storms today likely going to be strong winds. So that will be what we'll keep an eye out for, especially as we get into the afternoon. Any severe thunderstorms are going to be fairly short-lived. Highs today get up to around 82 degrees. Your lows tonight down into the mid-70s. More rainfall on the way for tomorrow. Should finally start to see a little bit of a break in the action by Friday. That's when we'll get some of that Saharan dust into the area. So hazy skies on Friday, Saturday, and likely continuing into Sunday. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC Meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96.5 KPL. 814 now at Newstalk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to Acadiana's Morning News. Early voting is underway for the July 11th primary. And you know what? As I say that and read it from my notes, Louis Perret joins us on the phone. Uh, do I have that date right? I don't know why I'm questioning myself in the moment here. 
<laughs> yes, early voting runs all the way through July 4th okay. right now. Okay, and perfect. Election July 11th. So I had an exciting afternoon yesterday. I got a COVID-19 test. I got my hair cut, and I early voted. You know, it's it's what dreams are made of. <laughs> well, tell me about it. Was everybody uh, practicing social distancing? They sure were, and the early voting was much less painful. I'll put it to you that way. But it's a good thing to do. Well, Folks need to to vote. I mean, I think it's it's sort of become a back burner thing, and it shouldn't be. Obviously, because this is an important primary, we have a ton of different races. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, thank you so much, first of all, for having me, and thank you for voting yesterday. I spoke to the registrar of voters, Charlene Mominard, multiple times yesterday, and it is going very smoothly. We just need the voters to show up. So far, a grand total of 401 voters out of over 100,000 registered voters have voted. And so it's very, very light, but we are being very careful. Last night, we had our first class. Uh, in anticipation of Election Day on July 11th. We want to encourage people to get out and vote, but early voting, we have 10 more days. You can actually vote on the 4th of July, and I can't think of a better thing to do as an example for a child or a young kid is to bring them with you to vote on 4th of July. This is very rare. The legislature voted this. Next Friday, July 3rd, Rob, is a state holiday. You can still vote next Friday, and you can vote next Saturday, which is the 4th of July. So we have 10 days left. We want to encourage people to get out and vote. So I always encourage people to go ahead, take a look at your sample ballot. You put all your information in there, and you can see what choices you're going to have. Uh, people always have the question, Lewis, because I know there are some, um, like, for example, the RPEC, the Republican Parish Executive Committee, There, those names are on there as well. You don't see them, though, if you are registered as a Democrat, if I am correct, right? That That's correct, Rob. This is what we refer to as a lockout election. Only Republicans can vote for Republicans. Only Democrats can vote for Democrats. This happens every couple of years, and when we have a presidential election involving federal things. Now, we know, for instance, that Joe Biden is going to be the presumptive nominee of the Democrats. But there are 14 candidates on the ballot for the Democratic Party. I took a look yesterday, yeah. Yeah, we know that President Trump is the presumptive nominee of the Republicans. There are five different um, Republicans running. So those races are pretty much decided. We know they'll have the conventions and then we'll have the presidential election. But what you talked about is so important is the Republican Parish Executive Committee and the Democratic Parish Executive Committee. We have 12 candidates in the Republican Party running for only five slots. This is a good thing. And then in the Democratic Party, there are seven candidates running for five slots for the Parish Executive Committee. And they normally, usually over the last few, few election cycles, have had to encourage people to run. Mm-hmm. Now we've got more than enough that have stepped up. And so there are choices for you to make. And we want people to go out and vote. All right. Let's talk about mail-in votes because we had we heard some information from the Secretary of State's office that had, you know, given these numbers of astronomical you know, returns on mail-in ballots. Who can get them? Is the time too late? And what does it mean for turnout? 
Well, first of all, the mail-in ballots, I think, is going to be where you're going to see the country move in the future. It must be done safely and securely. In Lafayette Parish alone, uh, we used to have 1,800 mail-in ballots. Well, the Secretary of State, because of the COVID-19 situation, sent a letter to every registered voter in Lafayette in the state that is 65 and above and encourage them to vote at home. If you're 65 and above, your ballot could be mailed to you. My mom is 93. That's how she votes is by mail. Well, in Lafayette Parish alone, we have 6,000 people have taken us up on this offer. And so that's a good thing. Now, if you're out of country uh, as either a student or a military soldier, your ballot can be faxed in. That's a little bit different. Uh, but, but this is something that I see the country moving towards, but it's not something you can snap your fingers. It's yeah. not very easy to do, and it must be done safely and securely. So some of the research and reporting that i've done in the last couple months i've been looking into these issues when you talk about security and of course there are people who are worried about fraud every time we have an election and I, and truthfully lewis i think if we used a fingerprint for every single one so you know that might be the, the most extensive way to prove your identity people would still have concerns because they are such high stakes elections but if, am i correct in my understanding that these mail-in votes or mail-in ballots have a barcode on them and that's how you know that it is a legitimate ballot. You don't have anything being counted more than once. It's not just a post-it note that's sent to you. Exactly. And there are other checks and balances, such as mother's maiden name, such as the voter's signature that is required to be on that outside envelope that we can compare if there is a question from the person's, person's original registration of voter where they sign when they're 18, 19 years old, along with a witness. And so if it's done correctly, and what I mean by that is you have these checks and balances is it's almost nil. Can can corruption happen? Yes. Anywhere. We know that. But it's something we're keenly aware of. And I think over the last 20 years, there have been something like less than 50 fraudulent ballots in 20 years of voting throughout the United States. Mm -hmm. And so it's something we're aware of, but I think it can be done safely and secure. What about the time to get the returns? Because I know yeah. that that's a, another concern folks have that we may not know the winner of the election that night like we normally would with with traditional voting you bring up a great point and i am so thankful that you brought that up i want to start preparing americans now that unless there is a landslide election for president it's highly likely that we will not know the results for several days after the November election because of the tremendous volume of mail-in ballots. it's I want people to understand this. It's a real envelope with the stamp on it. Somebody has to open it up. Somebody mail. has to flatten it out. Mm -hmm. Something has to put it through, through the scanner. And so it's not something you can snap your fingers at. And just imagine, you know, two years ago when we had the problems with the reader printers on the early voting uh, ballots, that took us about four hours where we are anticipating with this cr tremendous crush of mail-in ballots that we would probably start that morning at 8 o'clock in the morning just opening up those ballots before eight o'clock at night when we would actually start counting those ballots. Yeah. And we hope to be through that day 
but uh, I feel certain that it's not going to be a quick and easy, we're going to know on election night who won. Who it is. All right, Louis Perrette, thank you so much for joining us. Early voting is underway now. Do it. Get it out of the way. You don't have to go on election day. And, of course, this is the primary, the presidential preference primary. Actual election day is July 11th. Thanks, Louis. Good talking to you. Thank you so much. You have 10 more days left to exercise your right to vote. Please go out and vote. And Thanks, we'll talk Rob. to you again. Appreciate it. We're, we're back with more after this. Bye-bye. It's 823. Celebrating 20 years of enlightening Acadiana. Moon Griffon, next on News Talk 96.5. Caper. You can get the latest information on all these stories that you've heard today. KPEL965.com and always on the KPEL News app. It's brought to you by Acadiana Restaurant Supply. News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Depend on it. It's the bottom of the hour. Now the top stories from KPEL965.com. Good morning. I'm Rob Kirkpatrick. A look at some news making headlines around the country this morning. President Trump said yesterday he wasn't kidding about slowing down testing for coronavirus. He confirmed that yesterday, three days after making the comment at a Tulsa, Oklahoma rally. The White House says he used sarcasm then, but is making a serious point now that increased testing leads to more cases being revealed. Let's not forget with everything else going on, primaries are happening and a political newcomer in North Carolina beats the Trump-backed candidate in yesterday's primary runoff. Fox's Carmen Robert has more. 24-year-old Madison Cawthorn scores a rare political victory by beating the candidate endorsed by President Trump. Cawthorn won the Republican primary runoff election in North Carolina for the seat vacated by President Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows. Prior to the president's June 4th endorsement of Linda Bennett, Cawthorn made this plea during an appearance on Fox News. Mr. President, if you're watching, sir, I'd like to tell you, please do not get involved in the 11th district. I will be your strongest supporter. I'm something that the Republican Party desperately needs. I am a disabled conservative millennial. And while Cawthorn failed to gain the president's support, many local officials supported him, and so did the voters. Carmen Roberts, Fox News. In August, Cawthorn turns 25, the constitutionally mandated minimum age to serve in the House. Then in November, he'll face Democrat Mo Davis, a former military prosecutor, in the general election. Another statue that had become a flashpoint for protesters is coming down. It happened overnight. Fox's Jack Callahan has more. The likeness of former Vice President John C. Calhoun has stared down from a 100-foot-tall pedestal in Charleston, South Carolina, for more than a century, but very soon, no longer. Early this morning, crews with large cranes began removing the statue. Just hours after Charleston City Council voted unanimously to take it down, the statue had been vandalized during protests last week. Charleston's mayor saying the statue will eventually be relocated to an appropriate place where it can be preserved. Calhoun was not a Confederate, dying a decade before the outbreak of the Civil War, but he was a longtime proponent of slavery. Jack Callahan. Fox News. President Trump's former national security advisor, John Bolton, continued his media blitz, touting a new tell-all book. Here's more from Fox's Grinnell Scott. 
Bolton told Fox's Brett Baer of his opinion on the president's COVID-19 response. Herky-jerky, incoherent, sporadic, and not as effective as it could have been. And his speculation about Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who called Bolton a traitor. I think his political future is very much tied to the Trump administration. Bolton claims his book, The Room Where It Happened, pulls back the curtain on his time in the White House. The president has taken to calling Bolton a wacko who violated confidentiality. In addition to interviews on major network news programs, Bolton appeared last night on CBS's Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Grinnell Scott, Fox News. Disgraced comedian Bill Cosby now allowed to appeal his sexual assault conviction from two years ago. Pennsylvania's highest court has agreed to review the decision that let five accusers testify about alleged assaults that weren't part of the charges at hand. The other issue is Cosby claiming a former prosecutor had promised not to charge him. The 82-year-old is serving a 3-10 to 10 year prison sentence. The phone number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is changing and shortening. Instead of 10 digits, it'll be shortened to just three, 988 in two years. The FCC says three digits is a lot easier to remember and hopes the new number will be a lifeline to those who are struggling. The hotline answered 2 million calls in 2018. Congress will vote to finalize that change next month. Back here in the state of Louisiana, the Saints have announced that two members of their Super Bowl team will be inducted into the team's Hall of Fame later this year. Jari Evans and Roman Harper were both drafted in 2006 and played big roles in helping the black and gold win the Super Bowl just a few years later. The two combined to play in eight Pro Bowls. Also, longtime Saints Spanish radio broadcaster Marco Garcia will receive the Joe Gemelli Florida Lee Award for his contributions to the organization. Congrats all around for that. Acadiana's soggy pattern is going to roll into a third day here as we've got showers and thunderstorms on tap. Basically on again, off again throughout the rest of the day today. It's going to be fairly active, fairly wet as well. We've got the chance for a few isolated severe thunderstorms a little later on this afternoon. So we'll have to watch the radar as they do start to pop up. Biggest issue you're going to have with storms today likely going to be strong winds. So that will be what we'll keep an eye out for, especially as we get into the afternoon. Any severe thunderstorms are going to be fairly short. Short-lived. Highs today get up to around 82 degrees. Your lows tonight down into the mid-70s. More rainfall on the way for tomorrow. Should finally start to see a little bit of a break in the action by Friday. That's when we'll get some of that Saharan dust into the area. So hazy skies on Friday, Saturday, and likely continuing into Sunday. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC Meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96.5. And as I was saying, during the summer, donations and Vitalent talent go down because people are traveling. They're doing other things. They're out of their routine. Well, now we're about four months into a brand new routine, and that need is still there. Mitzi Bro joins us on the phone this morning. Good morning to you, ma'am. Hey, good morning. So the need is still there, um, and there are, are a ton of incentives. I, I'm looking right now on the Vitalant website, and the you know incentive to get an, a COVID-19 antibody test when you donate, I think it's something a lot of people want to do anyway, and they can do it at the same time that they're literally giving the gift of life. That's right. It, you know, we're so happy to be able to offer this to our donors because everyone is so curious to see if whether or not they had an asymptomatic 
COVID-19 infection at some point. So this is, it's not a diagnostic test. So if you're sick, we're asking, please do not come. We cannot tell you if you currently have the coronavirus. But all successful donations are now tested for the COVID-19 antibody. So if you're well and healthy and, you know, you're not around anyone that's sick and you're feeling great, but you think at one point maybe you might have had the coronavirus and just didn't really feel all that well, when you come and you donate blood, the antibody test is now added to the panel of tests that we run on every single donation. And we will test your, your blood for that antibody. And in about um, two weeks, your results will be available to you in an online donor portal, which is confidential and only you can see and it will let you know whether you are positive or negative for the COVID-19 antibody. So, you know, Mitzi, you live in the same world we do. Um, I feel like every day we're hearing about more and more people who do get that that positive COVID-19 diagnosis. It just seems almost like, I don't know, it's getting closer and closer and it's harder and harder to find someone who hasn't at least been in contact. So on the safety side of it, Yes, we are talking about asymptomatic cases. What would you tell someone who is maybe a little bit nervous about even going to the donation center here on Bertrand Drive? So our first line of defense and the biggest thing is that we're asking anyone who is not feeling well and who is around anyone that's not feeling well, please do not come. Again, we cannot tell you if you have the active coronavirus, so please do not come. On top of that, we are temping every single person that enters our building. Um, actually, before you enter the building, we're temping every single person. Um, we're also requiring face masks for our face coverings for our donors and our staff. So when you come to donate, make sure that you bring a face covering with you. It can be homemade. It just needs to cover your nose and your mouth. Um, we are also, we have upped all of our sanitation processes, which were already in place. They've just kind of been heightened. Yeah. And we're also practicing social distancing. So uh, we have a long-term relationship. And we, I mean, Town Square Media and Vitalent, we come together multiple times a year. Obviously, we talk to you often because... It is so important, and one of the biggest messages that we share is, you know, if you've never donated before, maybe now's the time. Maybe you have some extra time. Um, the donor base is older, and it's aging, and so it's important to get those younger people in, get them excited, and, and a part of this process. It is. So our most do dedicated donor group is over the age of 50. So actually, 60% of the U.S. blood supply is coming from folks who are over the age of 50. So we are in need of those younger folks to come in and start filling the shoes of those baby boomers who have been dedicated, lifelong blood donors. And it's time for the rest to, to step up and start doing the same. Donating blood is not a one and done. It's not something you do one time and think that your, your deed is over. It's a lifelong commitment, and we ask that people give at least two or three times a year. And that's the only way that at Vitalant that we can ensure that every single family member, loved one, and friend has the blood that they need as soon as it's needed. All right, Mitzi Bro, uh, joining us from Vitalant this morning. If someone's listening right now and they say, you know what, today is the day, what are the steps they should take to give blood and what can they do to fast track the process? 
So we are strongly recommending appointments so that we can best uphold social distancing. So go to vitalent.org, that's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T dot O-R-G. There's tons of information there for you to read up on, um, on the coronavirus, our safety precautions, convalescent plasma donations, if you're interested in that as well. And then click on the donate button. Once you click there, you'll be able to make an appointment. And after you make an appointment, we're going to send you a confirmation email that's going to send you a link to our fast track process, which will allow you to do the questions and, and the health history questionnaire in the privacy of your home or office prior to coming to us. And that's going to save you some time. That makes sense. Vitalent.org. It's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T.org. Bitsy Bro, thanks as always. And and good luck with the efforts. It's something great people can do in our area. Thank you. Joining us on the phone right now, Stephen Wagesback from LABI and the state trying to get back to work. But I don't know, Stephen. Looks like we were moving ahead. Now there are a bunch of people who feel that we're going to move in reverse, maybe even go back to phase one and dun da da another stay-at-home order. That's what people are talking about this morning. What's your insight on it? What are you hearing? Well, you know, the good news is we haven't heard any credible um, accusations of going back into phase one. I guess if you can call that good news. Yeah. The frustrating news is, you know, another month of phase two, look, it's, it's a huge challenge for small businesses who are just trying to keep their head above water. And, you know, there's been such a struggle to get here. The federal loans through the PPP process has allowed these some of these small businesses to stay afloat, but that's going to run out. That doesn't last forever. If we're still in phase two and that money runs out, you know, we are hearing a lot of uh, concerns that folks are going to have to have a, a second layoff phase that's just going to add to our unemployment woes. So, you know, with a service-based economy like we have, we depend on Main Street small businesses, independent oil and gas companies, those folks to stay alive and get online, and we cannot keep holding those folks back. And if, we, if we're talking about flattening the curve, everyone's in. But, you know, there's been no accusations of hospital overruns. There's been no accusations of ventilator shortages. We have a system that's prepared. It's time for us to let employers to go out, get back to work safely, give them guidance to do it safely, but let them get back to work. Because if we go into this fall with a wave of bankruptcies and layoffs because of continued holding back of the economy, trust me, that's not good for, for the community health that we're trying to build here. And it's definitely not good for Louisiana's future. Look, I sort of feel like the state of Louisiana, I mean, we have so many distinct regions where you have, you know, New Orleans and the New Orleans metro area and the economy that it supports is almost like a state unto its own. Then you take the rest of the state and there's literally like a a, a north, a south, somewhere in the middle. And then there's Lake Charles with oil and gas. I mean, you have so many different areas. And I know the big frustration had been, you know, that we didn't sort of open up on a parish by parish or even hey, LDH region by region because of the situation we're in. Do you think that is still playing the role? Because New Orleans is still the least open of the rest of the state. Yeah, you know, I think that early on in this response, there are so many unknowns as far as capacity of the healthcare system, so many unknowns of how, you know, how serious it was if you caught COVID-19. And so kind of the, the broader shutdown, you could argue it made sense. But now... 
We're months beyond that. And we know that we can have a more targeted regional approach right now because different areas have different strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Urban areas and rural areas have different strengths and weaknesses. And so we need to be more specific, or government leaders need to be more specific on encouraging. If if we're worried that young people catching it are going to get grandma and grandpa sick, we need to be more specific on limiting that interaction. Keeping a restaurant shut down is not the most effective way to do that. We're using a shotgun approach for a rifle shot problem. We know more about the, the virus now. We also know about the, the, the poor health of our economy now. And look, we have over 600,000 initial unemployment claims that have been filed in Louisiana. Almost 300,000 of those are still claimed. Our GDP is down 20%. We have got to get going if we want to keep the backbone of our economy afloat, and that is small business, service-based industries, construction, oil and gas, all the folks that right now they're teetering on the edge. And as soon as their PPP loans run out, mm-hmm. it could have a, a dire drop if we're not careful. I want to ask about some of the federal support. Yesterday, Senator Bill Cassidy told us he thinks the $600 a week you know, federal, I guess, injection of federal relief that going into the unemployment fund needs to be changed because you do have employers who are now saying they're having a hard time getting their employees back. Um, what is your take on this, or, or what are you hearing? Because it is it has at least kept people from, I mean, for lack of a better term, kind of rioting in the streets. Because if we didn't have this, I think we would be having very different conversations over the last few months. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. I think everyone agrees you want to help those individuals. No one's saying that. But what the feds did is instead of giving dollars to their bosses or their employers or their restaurants or whatever, and said, listen, use these dollars to pay your employees to keep them afloat, you would have you would have maintained that employee-employee relationship. You would have kept things moving. Instead, what the feds did is they said, here, here's the same dollars we could have given you that way, and we're giving it to you so you can stay home. And so what that means is if you're a restaurant trying to get the float and the government says, hey, you can come back at 50%, but, you know, you have to get you have to come back online at 50% of these limitations, those restaurants are calling their employees, and their employees are saying, I'm not coming back. It's a better deal to stay home, and it's hard to blame them. I mean, if you were getting paid more to stay home and come to work, what would you do? And so the federal program had good intentions, but what it's doing is it's making it very difficult for the small businesses we want to survive, the restaurants and the retailers, to get their employees back right now. And so, you know, where I'm in Baton Rouge, we're seeing a number of restaurants say, you know what, we're shutting down for two months. There's nothing magic in the market about those two months. The two months is because that's when that $600 levels out, they get their employees back. Um, you mentioned earlier uh, talking about oil and gas companies, especially you know, small mom-and-pop oil and gas you know, companies that we know in the Acadiana area has been the backbone of a lot of it. When you talk about the smaller ones, uh, this morning we have news uh, that oil prices uh, falling because of a big inventory build. Uh, that number, let me just grab it real quick. Uh, the Brent crude number down 49 cents to 42.14 a barrel. Uh, what are you hearing as far as that? Because, you know, it's 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 wild, Stephen. If we wouldn't have been talking about COVID-19, you know, this this would be enormous. I mean, and it was enormous the day, I think it was April 20th, that they traded in negatives. Um, but that has a big implications as far as revenue goes for the state. Yeah, the oil and gas crash is the is the hidden crisis behind the health crisis behind the economic crisis, right? And you know what what I hear from independent oil and gas producers is they need oil and gas to get to about fifty five bucks, mid fifties, kind of order to make to make it all meet. And you you just mentioned where we're at right now. We're well short of that, and so all of this production has been going into storage because there's not well supply going on. And so yeah, even when all of a sudden, let's say tomorrow the market gets great again. 
it's still going to take quite a while to burn through all that inventory sitting in, in storage terminals around around the world. And so it is going to be a long haul back for these folks. The remainder of the year is going to be a challenge. And many of the Louisiana independent oil and gas companies, you know, they had some projects already in the pipeline they were finishing, or they had some PPP money, which allowed them to float. But when that runs out next month or two, if prices are still where you're at, you're going to see um, a, a second wave of layoffs there. We're trying our best to prevent that. We think the best way to prevent that is get this economy going, get demand going. People start buying oil and gas. It's the best way to start producing oil and gas. It's, you, you can't program and federal money your way out of this. You've got to get the economy going get demand up as fast as you can. We're joined by Stephen Wagaspeck, LABI president and CEO. Let's talk about some legislative issues. The biggie is tort reform. Um, there was some movement uh, even this week on, on maybe something else that can be done. However, there are some critics of it calling it watered down from where Republicans in the legislature started, especially when it comes to the jury uh, threshold. Uh, tell me a, a little bit about how that works. Yeah, it's kind of been like the hokey pokey. You take two steps forward and one step back, and it's hard to know where you're standing sometimes. But here's where we're at. There's a bill that the Speaker put in place, and it is on the House floor, maybe even as early today. And if that is concurred with and it goes up to the governor's desk, that will address several of the issues that lead to high auto insurance rates. It will drop, it'll drop the jury threshold, allow for more juries. It will remove the seatbelt gag order. That's all, that's all a good thing. Um, so it has some of those pieces in there. What it is silent on, quite frankly, is the collateral source piece, which is really the big piece, especially for commercial insurance prices. And just to be candid, what we have right now is we have the trial lawyers hiding behind a couple of uh, fringe healthcare companies that are throwing mud, diversions. They're, they're playing hide the ball. It's kind of like Lucy and, and, and Charlie Brown kicking the football over there. And it's working to extend to make collateral source hard to fix. We're trying to get around it. We're trying to convince leadership to plow through that noise. And we're hopeful in the next couple of days we're going to be successful in that. If collateral source is not addressed, in this bill, you're still going to have some relief on the individual insurance market because the juries will help push down some of those frivolous settlements. Mm -hmm. But if we don't address collateral source, we're not going to have an answer for the commercial auto insurance crisis. And that would be an absolute travesty if the legislature adjourned without a real solution on collateral source. And I, I think that's one of those things a lot of people don't know about. We actually learned about it. When we were over at the lobby event um, that was going on at the beginning of the legislative session over in Baton Rouge, when you know that correlation was made, a lot of times in this conversation we're talking about you know, private, privately insured people, you and, and me in our personal vehicle. But then when you start to talk to someone like a Heather Cloud with a trucking business, I, I think the number she gave was $2,000 a week. I mean, that just makes insurance coverage out of reach. But um, it seems like we're coming down to to the wire on this, which it was a priority at the beginning. And it seems like we've come to the kind of 11th hour decisions, both in the regular session and now in the special session. And it's been an extremely frustrating process, to be candid with you. We came out of the House with a solution that could have fixed all this for everyone. Got 78 votes, 10 votes by Democrats, two by independents, bipartisan support for this bill. It goes to the Senate. It got reworked in one committee. It got reworked in conference again. We kept getting, like, language jammed on us last minute that we had to try to find our way to kind of improve. It, is, it has been a frustrating process. And it, it, the reason why it's been frustrating because it's hard to even know who you're negotiating with. Mm -hmm. Because the person you're talking to is really carrying water for a secret trial lawyer in a secret room somewhere that you can't see. And that's got to stop. Everyone's got to come to the table. If the trial lawyers want to come and gut this bill, they need to get to a microphone.
microphone and say it in front of a camera because they have no public leg to stand on, but they still have the private games that work in the private dark rooms of the Capitol, and that's what's most frustrating. Okay, so we just have about a minute left, but at the end of the road, if all this is done and things go exactly the way you hope for, what is the end result for for me, you know, on my actual bill, how much savings are sure. we talking about ideally? Well, if we get to a successful end result, we will address collateral source. And what that'll do, it'll make it harder for those entities to collect money on phantom damages. That's what we're talking about. So if you can truly clamp down on phantom damages being paid by people like you and me, we think your auto insurance rates will go down somewhere between 10 and 25%. The actuaries and the commissioner of insurance said that's what he thinks. The trial lawyers say unless you can do a Pythagorean theorem to prove it in a formula, they're not going to believe it, but they're never going to believe it. But that's what the actuaries are saying. So we think that can happen, but it takes the next couple of days for the legislature to stand up to the hiding trial lawyers in the back room and say, come out into the sunshine, put your ideas on the table, because once they do, those ideas will not hold water. We can finally fix collateral source. Stephen Waggis back from LABI. We appreciate your time today, and we'll be watching to see what happens, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, appreciate it. I'm Elizabeth McDonald, and this is the Fox Business Report. CVS is selling coronavirus testing kits to companies who want to test their employees. The drugstore company is also creating plans for temperature checks, seasonal flu vaccines, and other immunizations. Olympus is getting out of the camera business. It plans to sell the camera unit to investment firm Japan Industrial Partners. Olympus, based in Tokyo, has been in the camera business for 84 years, but it's been struggling in recent years as more people use smartphones to take photos. Social distancing has a lot of people thinking about a trip in a recreational vehicle. Winnebago's reporting a better than expected quarter, though it lost money in the period. Its unit that makes motorhomes saw business up more than 20%. That's your Fox Business Report. I'm Ginny Cosola. Invested in you. You're more focused than ever on keeping your employees and customers safe. Cintas has the products and services you need to feel prepared. Our Cintas technicians can apply our disinfectant and sanitizer spray throughout your facility. Our ultra-clean service for restrooms uses a sanitizer effective against certain germs, bacteria, and viruses. And we'll help you stay well-stocked with hand sanitizer, face masks, and essential PPE. Visit Cintas.com and get ready for the workday. I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News. That's what House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says about the Republican policing reform bill. Well, this is ridiculous. GOP Senator Kelly Leffler just told Fox they have a good plan. Which provides the tools necessary to improve policing, to give them the tools they need to keep our community safe. Fox's Rachel Sutherland has more live. Dave, Republicans are not expected to have the votes to move their police reform bill forward as Democrats plan to block it. The GOP legislation would incentivize police departments to ban chokeholds, step up training, and invest in more body cameras. Democrats say the legislation doesn't go far enough. They're working on their own measure, which includes a provision that will allow people to sue police officers in civil court. Republicans have said ending qualified immunity is a non-starter. Dave. Rachel, a state senator, was attacked in Wisconsin. <laughs> Tim Carpenter posted video of it online. The Democrat says he was punched and kicked as he filmed protester vandalism outside the Capitol last night. Governor Tony Evers says he could activate the National Guard to protect state buildings. President Trump told a rally in Phoenix. If you give power to people that demolish monuments and attack churches, 
and seize city streets and set fire to buildings, then nothing is sacred and no one is safe. His critics were upset. People in the crowd were packed together, not many wearing masks. At a time, Arizona has seen a record surge of coronavirus and hospitalizations, one of many states seeing a spike. The number of new cases in the U.S. reported yesterday was the most since April. They're still counting all the mail-in votes in several states. In New York, Congressman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez easily won her Democratic primary. What you all have shown is that a people's movement here is not an accident. But her fellow New York Congressman Elliot Engel is in trouble, trailing progressive Jamal Bowman with more than 20 points. America's listening to Fox News. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare contracts. And in the process, started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sound crazy? The crazy thing is, this never ends. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare contract, you'll pay nothing. Were you lied to when buying a timeshare and want out? Get the facts about timeshare cancellation. Call Wesley now for your free information kit. 800-738-9900. 800-738-9900. Get the latest headlines online anytime with the KPL News app. Download it for free in the App Store and Google Play. KPEL FM, Brobridge, Lafayette. Acadiana's soggy pattern is going to roll into a third day here as we've got showers and thunderstorms on tap. Basically on again, off again throughout the rest of the day today. It's going to be fairly active, fairly wet as well. We've got the chance for a few isolated severe thunderstorms a little later on this afternoon. So we'll have to watch the radar as they do start to pop up. Biggest issue you're going to have with storms today likely going to be strong winds. So that will be what we'll keep an eye out for, especially as we get into the afternoon. Any severe thunderstorms are going to be fairly short. Lived. Highs today get up to around 82 degrees. Your lows slide down into the mid-70s. More rainfall on the way for tomorrow. Should finally start to see a little bit of a break in the action by Friday. That's when we'll get some of that Saharan dust into the area. So hazy skies on Friday, Saturday, and likely continuing into Sunday. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC Meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96.5.